I'm Jimmy McMillan, and we represent the Charlie Sheen is too goddamn high party. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. Hey, this is episode 73 of Gundam at MAHQ. I'm Chris. Uh, this is Neo. And this is Sobro Ryu. All right. And this episode, we're going to be coming back to something we haven't talked about in a very, very long time, and that is Ghost in the Shell. We're going to be covering season two, the second gig, along with the Individual Eleven standalone movie compilation thingamajig. It's about time. Whatever you want to call it. But before that, we have a special interview, another one, back-to-back, from the last episode. This time, we're going to be talking to people from the anime company, Anime Midstream, who are releasing Raijino, which we reviewed on Gundam.net. So we have, as our guests, the executive producer of the DVD release, Jimmy Taylor, and the voice actress, Yuki, who plays the main character of Raijino. So we'll be happy to bring that to you later on. But first... We have an announcement, and that is our Megacon event. So we mentioned in the past that we're not going to be doing the exact same stuff we've done at Megacon, and this year we're doing something very different. We're not doing a show at the convention. We will be doing a show, but not before an audience. However, we are going to be doing a social meetup event, and you might wonder why do this instead. Well, what we found is that when we finish doing these live podcasts, you know, a lot of the fans that like to come up and talk to us about things, but time where it's like we got to get all our crap together and get out of here so the next people can come into this room. Exactly. So it kind of puts a damper on that interaction. So we figured, why not create an opportunity where it's nothing but that? So we're going to be doing a meetup at the Orlando Ale House on International Drive. We'll have all the details posted on MHQ. It'll be... Friday night, the 25th at 8 o'clock, and to make it extra special, it's going to be a super duper meetup with Gundam, Chaos Theater, and our friends at Tomopop. Hey! So, all three groups will be coming together at said alehouse, and, uh, you know, have a beer, have a burger, shoot the shit, whatever it is you want to do, and it'll be good times. Buy, buy your favorite host drinks? That is strongly encouraged. Yes. Not required. Not, it's not incur- It's not required, but it, it'll help um, help with the talking time. I like Sam Adams. Yes. Just so you all know. <laughs> I like it a lot. Sounds good. So with that uh, little bit of news out of the way, I might as well kick it now to our uh, international news desk with uh, Neo's news for all of the latest goings on in the Mecha world. Uh, are you Are you there in our international bureau? Yes, I am. Uh, Responding to you from the International Bureau in Tripoli. Uh, This is uh, Neo with the news, and uh, I'm going to be Larry King in it today, because that's what I do. You make it sound like like, like Larry King in it today is different from uh, what you always do. Well, I've actually given it a title, what I've 
what I've done. You know, now ah, it's so you're being specific about it. Yes, I'm being very specific about it. Um, in, in, in my news office, uh, I have uh, Walter Cronkite, uh, what is it, uh, Edward, Ar- Edward R. Murrell, and then uh, Larry King, but not in that order. All three order. of those guys are dead. Not in that order, though. Because Larry King is a walking corpse. <laughs> he's uh, he's shot weapon from uh, the Neil Bystowell movie. <laughs> no, he's Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> Wait, maybe they're both the same thing. Oh my god! I thought Emperor Palpatine was the guy from Fox. I thought he's we, that uh... person too. Oh wow! So God, he's so many people. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you, Chris, for that for that introduction, and uh, just want to thank all the folks that have uh, offered some great articles in the NEO's listener-submitted news articles thread in the MechaTalk forum. And the first one comes here from uh, Nasty Nate. He's a good contributor. And uh, more excitement for you, Chris, because I know you have Dynasty Warriors, Gundam Dynasty Warriors 3 on on reserve, and you're probably close to having it paid off by the time it comes out. Well, uh, they've just added the final member of Celestial Being. You can be Thierry Aird. In the CeraVe Gundam. Yes. Yes. So. Well, you know, uh, in fact, I voted no on the MHQ poll on MHQ.net's front page of do you plan to buy Dynasty Warriors Gundam 3. So, haha. Well, you didn't. You've already prepaid it. You've kind of bought it, right? No. no. Have you lied to us this whole time, Chris? Sorry, I I pre-ordered Yakuza 4 because, yes. So you'd rather kill Lonely Hookers and other Yakuza members that go around and killing mindless, um, Suckers. you know, yeah, just, just, just throngs of, um, GNX threes and Leos. <laughs> yeah, Leos. I, I would prefer to be a Yakuza thugs on the street, get drunk in bars and bang hostesses in love hotels. If that's what you're asking. Yes. That's Damn. the spirit. You don't want to save Rambo Raw. <laughs> Cause he'll be like, play with me, boy. <laughs> You excite me, boy. <laughs> that, that's the, just takes me to a whole different place that I don't want to go with that guy. Mainly a dark alley. And that mustache. Behind the love hotel. And that mustache looks like it tickles. <laughs> Maybe that's his code name, the Tickler. Oh, isn't that a uh, Batman villain? <laughs> Maybe it's a porno villain. <gasps> Ooh, maybe. But uh, thank you, Mr. Nasty Nate, for that. I'm sure somebody out there wants to get uh, Gundam Dynasty Warriors 3. <laughs> maybe that'll be uh, Sobro's next uh, game on the PS3. Hey, man, when it's in the bargain bin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, according to our completely scientific super science poll on MHQ, mm-hmm. uh, 63% of people plan to buy it. Whoa. Okay. Well, cool. All well, right. That means and that's a science. Means the part four is completely, com- completely science. This voluntary uh, poll that that is not conducted by a company, but it's it's science. Mad accurate. Sixty. Oh wait. Sixty. We have a, I was gonna say sixty-three percent of how many people though. <laughs> we we have a comment here from from someone um, who says on this is a comment on the poll. Why are so many people so eager to buy a shoddy entry into the Gundam game catalog? Wait for Gundam vs. Extreme. At least that game has some variety. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the author? Chris Blanche? <laughs> uh, no, it's actually Injured Pelican, who I believe is a MechaTalk member. Oh, oh nice. Wow. nice. So you heard it there, folks, from, from the horse's mouth. Well, he's got good taste. There you go. Well, uh, Wingnut's got us some news here, and uh, 
This would make our our previous uh, guest in episode 72, Tim Eldred, happy. Uh, Sci-Fi Channel is going to start showing uh, Star Blazers April 21st of this year. So it's official. On their anime block. Yep. All right. And uh, the anime block is moving to Thursday night starting March 24th. And it currently airs uh, Chrono Crusade, which is a good show. Mm -hmm. And Tango Topin Gurren Lagann. Hell yeah. So... um, it's uh, going to be showing that the night of the 21st at 12 and 12.30 a.m. And, of course, Star Blazers is the U.S. adaptation of Yamato uh, that was done in the 70s. So uh, thank you, Mr. Wingnut, for that. And I encourage everyone out there to take a look at that because that is uh, some pretty good stuff. Even the Star Blazers version is, is pretty good. So next one comes from <sighs> Jabman025, Defender of Destiny. Oh. And um, this is probably, we'll probably have to add another title to him after this because this, this would probably be a show that he would defend on too. Let's see. Um, he's he's uh, having a link here from the Anime News Network, and there's some great news. Um, just when you thought you couldn't get enough Aquarion, they've announced more. Oh, yay. So mm. much excitement is how <laughs> I feel right now. And, uh, I cannot tell you how excited I am for a new Aquarian series. Can't you hear it in my voice? Oh, man. Bristolin. Uh, yeah. Um, Aquarian, the, the show that I watched the first episode of, and I was completely disgusted. And really? I, It's terrible. Oh, shoot, It's man. bad. I wouldn't go that far, but... It's pretty bad. It's just... It's so cliche. Not great. It's stupid and just, like, really... But uh, Aquarion Evolve, so uh, catch it if you can. And uh, thank what you. What is it, Pokemon now? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it evolves know. and it requires capture. It could be nice. But uh, thank you, Mister Jabman zero two five. Fine defender of destiny, even though your your uh, defending is usually off base and sounds kind of <laughs> tired and beaten down now. Oh, like oh man, why you gonna hit guy when he's down? <laughs> An old Jeff. What, what? Damn, damn Neo. <laughs> well, you know, hey. But um, next article here, and this is uh, from Gundam Type Zero. And uh, if you can't get enough of Cheryl Gnome, you have headphones that are for Cheryl Gnome fans. So he has a uh, a link there for you to check out. So. Are they opie shaped headphones? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want them. Yeah, no, they're. Uh, check out the link. See if you like them or not. Be great to see a a grown man wear Cheryl Gnome. Um, headphones. Well, sign me up. to his uh, iPad. No, you, but but you're 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 a Ronka guy. You gotta wear Ronka headphones. Oh yeah, that's, that's, traitor. that's true. I guess I I gotta I gotta, yeah. I, gotta I gotta be part of Team Ronka then. Cause she's the girl. Yeah, that's right. They had a deep connection in that first movie. Deep, son. Man, deepest that tissue. dialogue with that scene. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually alone for more than two minutes in a scene. In the trailer scene. That, that that set it together. So. Historical, baby. But um. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Gundam Type Zero. And that is actually a great segue into our next article here. And this is from Wielder. And this comes from the Anime News Network. And uh, wow, that uh, Macross Frontier movie, number two, it opened for 118 million yen in Japan, which was number fourth in their thing. So, um, and uh, look forward to that because we'll be talking about that uh, in the near future and uh, from some sources of mine that will remain unnamed uh, I hear that a resolution is decided at the end get out that thing yes insane not everyone is his wings anymore just one of them so um, 
Thank you for that, Mr. Wielder, for that article. Last article here, and this comes from Karuda. Uh, and don't get pissed because I don't know how to say your name because you taught you spelling gibberish or make up words. So, but uh, this is um, he has a <clears throat> or she has a uh, he or she um, has a link here and talking about um, that Bandai <laughs> has finally gotten. The, it, it, there's an article here that talks about how the market for Gundam model kits with men is more or less completely stagnant. Imagine that. I'm wondering if it's just that because it's targeted at men or it's the fact that they release the same thing with some new tchotchke uh, every other week. So uh, the manufacturers have begun to shift their uh, marketing focus to women. So um, it's actually an excerpt here. It says, Chiyo29 became hooked on making plastic models in the summer of 2000." Eight. Her interest peaked after watching a Gundam DVD at home. She decided to make a model of the popular character and purchased a kit at an electronics retail store. And it says, his, his comment or his, his, oh my god, she was watching Destiny, wasn't she? And I'm surprised uh, Jabman didn't come in for the swooping uh, defense here. But um, yeah, it, w- it would make sense. So um, thank you for your submission. I have a Straight Talk Express drive-by to do. Spider-Man, the musical. Oh man, dude! I was wondering. Soul Bro, no. But but what about the Soul Bro? No. Come on now. That's why I've been Mechatron. And unfortunately, because of some problems out of our control, uh, we're not going to be doing a mailbag this segment, and we'll be going into our first segment. Uh, you're listening to Gundam at MHQ. We take you out in the alley and we knock it out of you. You needed the money, so you killed her. That's not true, goddammit! This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN8 for 10% off any order not already discounted. Gun 9 for $5 off purchases that are $30 or more on any items not already discounted. .com domain names are as low as $749 if you use the code GUN10. And last but not least, code 20H1 for 20% off hosting plans. For more information, you can go to Gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the Sponsors and Special Offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. I'm tired of other anime podcasts being such a star fest. My plan was perfect. But there was one thing I overlooked. One factor I failed to calculate. He's a dumbass. I hate Narutards. Oh my god, he's wet. And I'm sick of the giant Moe monster wreaking havoc in my anime city. So what's my solution? Make a better podcast than everyone else. Well, at least I try anyway. Join me, Josh Dunham as I talk about my ideas and opinions about current Japanese music, games, and anime. You can find my weekly podcast at www.animation.blogspot.com. That's A-N-I-M-E-S-H-O-N. I review the new shows and manga coming out of Japan, as well as ye old goodies. 
So check me out. I'm only a Google search away at animation. A-N-I-M-E-S-H-O-N. Here's to being dead. You're taking this extremely well. Taking what extremely well? That I'm here. I don't give a goddamn if you're dead. Or time traveling or the ghost of Christmas past. All I care about is this whiskey. So bottoms up. Get the hell out of my house. segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. All right, everyone. Welcome back to uh, Gundam at MAHQ. And uh, this is one of your hosts, Neil, along with uh, Solbro and Chris. Uh, we're going to be doing something we haven't done in a while. I think uh, last time we did one of these was in uh, August. And um, that is the continua- continuation of the Ghost in the Shell Roundup. Uh, in the first uh, installment back way in August of 2010, we did the first show. All right, well, that was the last thing we did. We did the first show and the movie compilation for that. Previous before that, I don't know when we did that, was the actual first movie that was done in the uh, late 90s there. So um, in, in this episode, we're going to be covering uh, Ghost in the Shell second gig. The actual 26 episode television series and the Laughing Man uh, compilation movie. So, Laughing Man? Or I'm sorry, the individual 11. <laughs> I'm a little, I'm, I'm all over the place here. I'm trying to remember some of this stuff, but yes, individual 11. Forgot. I know it's always something kind of crazy, but thank you for, uh, um, for correcting me because if you didn't, I'm sure we had had millions and millions <laughs> of corrections. Because you're you're so ill-informed. You know? Yes, because I'm the only I'm the only person that's ever made a mistake. It's just that you make them oh so often. Mm-hmm. Yes, but you do it well. Because I should. Uh, <laughs> At least you're consistent. That's one. That's, that's I'm something. Con- I'm consistently wrong. Yes, you, you must. Oh, consistency is the key. And that's what matters. Yes, because I Larry King it. That's why. There you go. So it worked for him. Not really working that well for me. But four decades. Yes, exactly. <laughs> But uh, back to Ghost in the Shell, uh, second gig. Uh, basically, this is uh, a couple years after the first show. Uh, we see that Section 9 is back together, and uh, lots of little things are going on here. Um, the overall story, which is covered in the individual episodes, is uh, the, uh, the individual 11 storyline. Uh, kind of set up in the same way of being that background um, job that they need to do, just like in the previous show. Uh, then in this one, we had, just like we had standalone episodes in the previous series, we have what are now called individual episodes, which are just basically uh, standalone episodes, which a lot of these now, um, when they kind of reflected on the major and stuff a lot more in the first episode, we see a lot more in this one. Uh, some of the other members of Section 9, which is um, pretty nice. We see some things with Bato, 
Pazu. Yep. Um, I think um, Saito. Saito and um, God uh, Ishikawa. Ishikawa, yeah. Yeah, Ishikawa's in there too. So we get a little bit more of their back, their back history, and some of the things that they've been through. Poor Boma. Yes. Oh, he's just the big guy. Just got he's, he's, on. Just, he's just the level big, big guy. Oh. Um, and then we have a third set of type of episodes in this one, which are called the dual episodes, mm-hmm. which deal with kind of a subplot dealing with the individual 11, and that is dealing with a new character called Goda, which is kind of like some monstrosity face guy who had like, um, he had some accident happen to him, and what is it? He didn't. He chose to stay that way because it reminded him of things. And he's, he's just a real creepy guy who's got his own agenda that we see uh, throughout this. And um, that's about it. I mean, uh, what's, what's kind of great in this one is we get a little bit more of a sense of the actual, uh, the actual political and economic environment that is going on in Japan at this time. We see that there's an issue dealing with, what is it, World War Four. Um, and the fact, the influx of refugees that went into Japan because Japan was spared from a lot of the, the destruction. And uh, there's a lot of uh, political maneuvering on all sides here. So uh, I guess I will kick this off over to Chris first to see some of his uh, insightful insights about Ghost in the Shell second gig, the series. And like I said, we will hit the individual 11 compilation after this. So Mr. Chris. Clearly, it's it's the worst pat labor since Double O Season Two. Mm. Word. Okay. That is all. <laughs> Definitely. Now, <laughs> speaking of pat labor, one thing that's always struck me as kind of interesting is that um, with Ghost in the Shell, with the two seasons, and with the two pat labor movies, you know, they're set in in the future, or at least in pat labor, what was the future at the time, where technology plays a very important part. But uh, the first pat labor movie and the first season of Gits they focused a lot more on a technological problem, yeah. you know, chasing after master hackers and whatnot. And then in the second season and in the second movie, it focused much more on politics, even yes. though technology still played a role in the second ones and politics played a role in the first one. It's a flip of the emphasis Yes, because in, you know, season one, you had the laughing man and he was this uber master elite hacker and they're trying to track him down it's sort of a chase thing and yeah there are political forces at play but a lot of the focus is this guy and his skills and his evasion of capture and in the second series we have now yes there is hacking and a whole bunch of technical babble talk of you know hacker techniques and all of that but much more focus is played on political maneuvering yeah we have as a recurring character in this season prime minister kayabuki who is referred to like even in front of her face, and even she refers to herself as just like a, a puppet stand-in. Damn, you know she's the she's the first Japanese uh, prime minister who's a woman, yeah. but you can tell they're just putting her there, sort of like a pretty face, to sort of whitewash the scandals of the previous administration that was brought down by the Laughing Man incident. Mm-hmm. It's definitely fiction. Uh, Japan, a woman Japanese prime minister. So well, hey, that. it's it's the future. It's just like how we used to have in our movies here. You could tell it was the future because of a black, black president. president. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, she, she's she's nothing more than the paper champion in that show. <laughs> she's basically just the 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 Japanese Morgan Freeman in this role. Yeah, she's kind of a cheerleader in this one. Yes. So we have uh, sort of these two plot lines, and um, you know, of the individual eleven of. Goda and his secret uh, cabinet intelligence service guys, and 
one of the things that I think makes Ghost in the Shell appeal to so many people around the world is that it's not very culturally Japanese. You know, it's very much cyberpunk, neo-noir, and mm-hmm. it has a global appeal because of the issues it tackles. And you get some of the issues in Season 2. You have terrorism. You have scapegoating of immigrants. Mm-hmm. You have politicians maneuvering things to their advantage. You know, these are all issues that have happened in every country there is. Certainly. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess what helps, too, is the fact with uh, Section 9, it's a kind of international cast. I mean, outside yeah. of, you know, the major and what Ishikawa and Togusa, I mean, all the other people are basically either Americans or from other parts of the country, uh, parts of the world. So, because what, Bato and Bato's what? He's American, isn't he? I don't know what he is, but yeah. clearly he's some kind of white person. Yeah, but he's... <laughs> But he, but he was in the American. He was in the American forces when they had that one flashback. He certainly so. was. I, I don't know. I don't know what he is. He's obviously He's not Japanese because there's no Japanese guys with blonde hair named Bato that He's are hulking behemoths. With, He's a man of the world <laughs> with little with little uh, little weird eyes. <laughs> but, but as you see in um, in season two, all of the Rangers. Yeah. Have those weird little eyes. Yes, yeah. indeed. So um, one guy who gets to shine a lot in this season is um, the chief because he just shows once again at every turn. He's the guy who knows everyone. He's always like one or two steps ahead of everyone else. And he's already planning out, you know, how to respond to whatever plot these other guys are unfolding. Yeah. Totally indispensable. And he's got a little, he's got a little thing for the prime minister. <laughs> Hey, she's his, she's his type. What can you say? Hey, man, Hihachi's got it going. Little hey, Hihachi. Hey, little, but, you know, <laughs> the, the chief, you can see he's, he's, you know, again, like it was in season one, but even more so, he just knows how to maneuver these political ties because he's been in the system for so damn long. He knows how to get information. He knows how to use it against people. Yep. But the thing that has always struck me about him is he's a very experienced political creature but he always does things for the benefit yes yeah. of the public he's a, you know he doesn't use all of his knowledge to benefit himself yeah he's a true public well, servant. And, and it's it's the thing i think we talked about him before where he's he uses the technology as an enhancement to get to the gold he doesn't use it to get to the gold like everybody yeah. else does i mean he still knows how to do like you said the old pressing of the flesh with all the politicians the good old-fashioned detective work that mm-hmm. he does and you know yeah, there's plenty of scenes of Aramaki. You see him like in some some freaking coffee stand with some guy talking him up, yeah. you yeah. know, the old-fashioned way. Because you know, based on the age of um, of the show and his age, you know, he was probably born around the same time we all were. Yes, mm-hmm. I was just about to say that he comes from our generation. So, so. he comes from our generation mm-hmm. of being considerably more low tech than what they have in their present. Pretty much, that's us at that time period. <laughs> exactly. That would be that would be us. We would be that old mm-hmm. um, when that show is airing. You know, when, in the reality of that show. I can't much. wait to get that old because then you can do your hair like that, and nobody nobody questions nobody, you. Nobody gives a damn. Yeah. Which is funny because he's a true Renaissance man. He's from a period that you know he's from he, probably Sober born in the twentieth century. Was that? Sober with the catchphrases. Well, I'm sorry. He's a true Renaissance <laughs> man. It, it, it's funny to see how much he has in common with. Uh, I, I would say his true student is probably going to be Togusa, as 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 you know the series progresses. As we find out, huh? Oh, yeah. well, I'm sorry to spoil anything, yeah. but but no. Oh you my see, God, to- Sober see- spoiled something. <laughs> Usually he's Mr. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, even though it happened 15 years ago. Well, you see, Togusa wants to be a 20th century boy, 
and Aramaki is a 20th century boy, uh, you know, in the in the 20 in the 21st century. Are you trying to slip in a reference to that manga series? Uh, <laughs> just a little bit, but no. Um, it, it, if anything, yeah, Aramaki's character it, it pretty much resembles what 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 we would be in that time period, and how he adapts, and still is a, a creature of of of. Of, of of adapting to every situation he's 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 always an interesting character to watch and to see how he politically maneuvers and his his influence goes outside of japan as we've seen in the first season where you know he has you know international connections as well and has worked with other police agencies as well before so um he's always he's always a treat to watch and just to see how he reacts to situations how he guides section nine to solving the the mysteries or the uh the cases that they're on the scooby-doo mysteries yes indeed man yoikes always <laughs> Kuze's like, I always do. You kids would follow me. Damn, you kids and your damn Tachikomas. <laughs> Wouldn't that be hilarious if one of the Tachikomas was uh, done like the Mystery Machine? <laughs> All the flowers and crap on it. That should have been one of those Tachikoma days at the end of the episode. Instead of, instead of snacks, natural oil? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or what is it, that, uh, that cyborg food they eat, that crappy stuff that just tastes like tasteless cyborg food where it's like 90 95% glucose yeah <laughs> anyway um like like neo mentioned um i do like that they go into a lot more background about the world they talk a lot in this show about world war 4 yes indeed which was only mentioned passingly in the first series you know the the nuclear world war 3 and the non nuclear world war 4 and we see you know, that World War Four just happened six years ago, and a lot of the effects are still being felt because you've got this um, refugee population from these Asian countries living in Dejima, and, you know, they're living in little ghettos, they're restricted, people, the Japanese people resent them, and this guy Gota comes in, and he plans to make perfect use of that to manipulate them into becoming rebels so that the government can then go hawkish and right-wing and yep. clear them out for his own benefit. Yep. You know, and he likes, he, he's a very theatrical sort of guy, but uh, in a sense, he sort of is like a producer who's staging a show, and everyone, even Section 9 at certain points, they're acting out their parts according to the script that he's written. Yeah. Because he's just that much of a manipulator. He basically is, he's sort of like um, like the bad version of Aramaki. Yeah. Mm. Anti-Aramaki. Which, he's, he's, he's the anti-Maki, you know, he, he knows... <laughs> He knows how to manipulate things. He knows how to get info. He knows how to manipulate people. But he's using them for these dastardly methods of manufacturing resentment for the refugees to get rid of them. You know, we've seen this in history plenty of times oh, yeah, of yeah. countries, you know, manufacturing uh, provocation and provoking incidents just to start a war with somebody. Mm. Hell, we've done it ourselves yeah. in America. So this is something that has a basis in reality. It's not Certainly. something... You know, some flight of fancy of you know, genocidal maniacs with super weapons. Yeah, exactly. And um, definitely, I do enjoy that we see the background of the other characters. Uh, one of my favorites of the season is when they're playing poker yeah, during Saito. a mission, and Saito's <laughs> telling the story of how he met the major, like them hunting each other during the war. Thank you. And at the end, you know, you can't tell whether his story had any basis in reality or if it was just complete bullshit because he has such a good poker face. Mm hmm. And and the and the whole the whole thing of the story, even if it was true or not, was the fact that she had a better poker face. Yeah. 
because she he thought that she was downloading some you know software and he's like played me the whole time <laughs> took out took out that man's eye <laughs> i mean if the story is true it's amazing that you know the major would actually pull from even her opposition during the war to to be a part of section nine like you know find these people and hey uh, talented people are talented people yes they are see and, if and, you uh, if you would have watched legend of the galactic heroes you uh -huh. would see that sometimes <laughs> Uh, the most useful people are the ones that maybe not initially agree with you, or may other or people your, think your are enemies. useless, or your enemies. It yes. goes that knife again, twist it. Yes. Well. Um. Well, you know, it's, truth is truth. <laughs> it is. It is. You know, there's another episode dealing with um, with uh, Pazu. You know, uh, yeah. he's got the uh, the ex flame who who is obsessed with him and uh, pulls a little ex girlfriend. Psycho ex-girlfriend, psycho enough to the point that she has a, a duplicate body like his made yes, to set him up for murder. That's episode yeah. 13, Makeup. That, that episode I, I, is one of my favorites as well because, you know, I, I, the, the way it ends. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> fact know, that, the fact that he even creeps out in the major because mm -hmm. he's such a freaking manipulator with women. She even, <laughs> she even, because, you know, let's be honest, she's, she's a manipulator herself when it comes to men and women and... Uh, you know, she she was creeped out about this guy. Well, like, you know, which makes him amazing to me because you know he's ex Yakuza. I always wanted to get that story of you know how how he got inducted into Section Nine in the first place. You know, being an ex, pretty much an ex criminal and using his his once, talents and being part again, of that though, underworld. I mean, but that, that that but that's that's normal. A lot yeah. of times you see the police oh, forces yeah. employ former robbers and hackers oh, hell and yeah. stuff like the, that. The funny thing is that I liked at the end of that episode the line of like uh, someone who asked like was. You know, is did he did he come out on top? Did he win, or was it the imposter? Yeah. And I think it's the major who says, you know, it doesn't sort of doesn't even matter because they're so much alike. Yeah. Good God. Like it's like she's. I mean, she is she is joking, but it's like she's almost okay with the faker being there because the faker became so much like him as to be almost indistinguishable. Yeah. And it's funny because you get the sense that you kind of don't know. Like it, it, it does kind of play out where you kind of are like it. It ends open ended because he's a very he's a very like low key laid back kind of guy. I mean, he gets serious when it's time to do the job, but you know he's just sort of like a very chill, uh, low key guy the rest of the time. So he doesn't really have. He's not like a very expressive person. No, he's that not. You could tell if something's wrong with him or not. When yeah. I was going through the series the second time, I was w counting the times. I was trying to see the times where he actually spoke, and it's very rare that he actually even talks or he's open his eyes. Or open his eyes. <laughs> he's got Mr. Fujisawa disease. <laughs> um, also, what I noticed, and I'm sure you all did as well, mm -hmm. even though we have the individual episodes that technically are standalones, even they tie in very strongly yes. to the main storyline, you know, because Goda's like pushing buttons and pulling strings. Perfect example when uh, the episode where Togusa is put on trial for shooting up that guy who killed that woman. Yes. Yeah. He has everything to do and with he that. He has that shyster lawyer <laughs> protecting him, and the whole reason that that got to the state it was is Goda manipulating things to keep Section 9 on the sidelines. Yeah, and it happens multiple times in these quote-unquote individual standalone episodes. I think that's neat that this, the second season, everything is tied together a lot more closely than it was in season one. You get the tapestry is definitely there in the in the plot, and yeah, even with the standalone episodes or, or the visual episodes, you know, the presence of uh, either the in, individual eleven or or Gota is there, and you know, they either make mention of them or you know, they they had some kind of uh, connection to what was going on. So you know, it, it gives you even more incentive to watch the the the, the individual episodes when they when when they come about. 
And even with the major, it's good to see her background because, you know, we know from season one that she's been a full body mm -hmm. cyborg user since childhood, but we don't know the details of that. And they go into a lot of detail about it in a not so obvious way, you know, when she encounters basically um, that former body of hers in that junk shop, that antique shop, and that old lady's talking to her about it. And, you know, you see by the end of that episode that, uh, you know, this girl who was in this plane crash and, you know, this crippled boy who's making the cranes for her, that's her. Yeah. Because you see her, at, you know, she's talking to this woman, and after Kusanagi walks away, she's left a little paper crane behind. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she's talking about how, you know, maybe that girl is out there looking for the first boy she ever loved. I love, I love how the series is just subtle with it, you know, with, with the fact that, you know, that she is that girl and, you know, she never says outright, you know, you know, as a it would be a disservice to the audience to say, oh, that was me or, you know, to, to make it, you know, painfully obvious that it was her. You just have to, you know, be able to pick up on that, which is, is pretty uh, it's, easy. It seems pretty yeah. obvious. Yeah. But they don't beat you over the head yeah, with it. No, they don't. You know, and it's real they smooth. They don't like like turn on the, the floodlights like, hey, this is Kusanagi and hey, that boy. <laughs> Was Kuze? Mm -hmm. A lesser show would have. No, uh, no, no explanation, lady. Oh, yeah. And I like that throughout the rest of the season. After that point, you see her every once in a while, just like fiddling around and making paper cranes. Yep. And she shook. She's kind of shook after that whole mm -hmm. thing too. And she's and she shook once she realizes who Kuze is, and you know, which we see at the end. Is, mm -hmm. You know, and I, I think what one of the things I liked about second. The second gig is the fact that all, even even Kusanagi, they all seem more human in this one. Yeah, they do. You know, you, you see that even though they're cyborgs or enhanced or whatever, they still are dealing with a lot of issues and all of them are flawed. And they still screw up. You know, yeah. even though they're professionals, they're not perfect. You know, we see them screw up. We see Kusanagi get distracted when they're doing that one mission. Uh, Kuze, he beats a shit out of Bato. Yeah. You know, um, that dude gets they, killed, and Bato goes crazy. That rookie yeah. guy gets killed. killed. Yano, he gets killed in chain reaction. Crazy. That suicide bomber blows up the tilt rotor and almost takes Ishikawa with him. Yeah. You know, so as experienced and as pro as they are, they're not perfect. They can't do the perfect job every single time. They're just as fallible as any normal person, despite all of their enhancements. Yeah. Oh, even uh, Bato berated uh, Togusa when uh, they were dealing with that, that female bomber. At the end of that episode, and he was trying to talk her down, but in truth, she was going to blow them all to hell. And he just kept, yep. he comes in, and uh, Bato comes in and just you know, blasts the hell out of her. He doesn't even kill her, but you know, he puts some well placed shots in there and shows him, you know, the error of his ways. But it's shocking at that moment when you see that happen because you're wondering, you know, Bato, she was, she was, she was calming down. Everything was, you know, going to be cool. And you find out that, of course, that's yeah, not the he's case. He's the big softy. Yeah, he's the. <laughs> I mean, he, he's the big softy when it comes to those issues. Yeah. And but you know, Bato, especially with women. Yeah, yeah. especially with women. Then again, Bato, as we'll talk about in a future segment, he's 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 just an angry teddy bear. Yeah, <laughs> definitely is. <laughs> but um, anything it's else? All of my comments that, that that I can think of for now. So uh, I would go. Yeah, let's go to Soul, bro. Well, well other than the uh, the episodes that Chris named, uh, the he'll, he'll probably episodes. actually not be Switzerland on this. I'll actually have probably a stronger opinion. <laughs> You're too funny. Um, some of the episodes I really enjoyed uh, were uh, episode two, Night Cruise, the one that's kind of a big uh, homage to Taxi Driver with that one helicopter pilot that uh, yes. he, I guess he fought in World War Three and lost his. Uh, you really don't find this out until halfway through the episode, but he lost literally half of his body. 
Um, not even to an accident during the war, but something that uh, happened before then. And, you know, he, I love that episode because of his observations of other cyborgs and how, you know, they, they eat food when they really don't have to. And, you know, they still do human things, even though they're a lot, a lot less than human than they used to be. And just his point of view, which is so deranged, it's just weird when you have an episode driven by a character like that. And, and when, also, when when you see little uh, little cameos from Section 9 observing him or observing his other co-workers in that episode and how they play a factor into what the overall plot is for that episode. It was it was really well done. And um, right That's after the that, guy that had the fake picture of his girlfriend yeah. or whatever. And he was he was obsessed with the major, thinking the major was without any kind of prosthetics thinking that she was like the perfect human being basically i love how he looked at her as if she was so pure and innocent <laughs> and was forced to do you know be, be a prostitute and whatnot and and how the you know he, he admired her for all the wrong reasons not knowing that she was you know a, a, a complete cyborg but uh, I, I love the irony in that and um there's also cash eye the the ocean's 11 episode <laughs> which came afterwards where they they break into that one uh politician's vault or it was he a politician or he was a, he was a businessman that had dirty dealings then um they they come up with this cockamamie screen scheme to get into his vault and uh completely trick him into letting them in and uh bust his ass and uh, the creepiness of that episode where all those rich guys have all those uh those uh those dolls as they call them the uh, sexeroids sexeroids basically yeah <laughs> And that whole convention. It's just funny when uh, when you see how he treats the major like she's some kind of a sexeroid herself and how she gets the best of him. Beautiful. Um, Natural Enemy is a fun episode. That's the one where the uh, helicopters uh, are you know pretty much going to autopilot after the one pilot dies of a heart attack. And you see kind of Gota's manipulation of that whole, whole scenario where they plant evidence in the helicopter pilot's uh, apartment. Make it, uh, trying to connect him to the individual 11 when, it, when of course, he really wasn't. But uh, how they take down that helicopter pilot is awesome. Uh, I love how the fact that the Major pretty much has to get out of the Tachikoma <laughs> and hold the, hold the uh, helicopter down like, a, like it's a rodeo while, um, while Saito gets the shot. That's, that's, it, was, it was a really exhilarating scene. Uh, other than that, um, gosh. Uh, We're just going to run through every episode? No, yeah, no we don't really. need every yes, tomorrow. <laughs> no, no, I'm good. I want to. I, I want to do stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> any other uh, thoughts of the show? Hey, y'all ran down a few episodes. I thought I'd give my insight on some, but uh, there you go. I didn't go naming. Well, in episode twenty-five, uh, <laughs> with this title, <laughs> it's this yeah, yeah. and this and this. Well, those are some of mine, aside from the ones you named off, like Trial and Makeup and Poker Face. Here's uh, the last any, one. Right, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't name them. I didn't say any episode titles. Oh, yeah, like, well, uh, in episode 9, and then I'm episode just, 10, and then episode 11. I'm giving people points I'm, of reference. I'm messing with you. Oh, no problem. The last episode I'll talk about is Transparent. And I always love the episodes where the Major and um, other members of Section 9 leave Japan to go to foreign countries. And this one was the one with the little girl they were observing, waiting for her father to return, who they were after as a criminal. And, uh, you know, that whole experience where they have Bato sitting on that statue all episode. That dog's barking <laughs> at him. And he's he's using the camo in order to observe. And, you know, how the whole how the whole episode plays out. And they find out the reality of the, the debauchery that that little girl's father did and portrayed. And it was it was really well done. And well, they actually well messed with her leaving is when she was sexually harassing the little street urchin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's asking her, like, uh, asking if, if sex feels the same for her. Oh, she's yeah. like, you want to find out? You want to like, find out. It's like, no. Screw that kid. <laughs> you know what? The only excuse that kid has is if he's gay. And even then, you know, he should at least be curious. 
Everybody else was trying. It was the first. Everybody else was trying to get in her pants, and, and she offers it to like a twelve-year-old street urchin, and he <laughs> turned it down while lying next to him in bed, like almost completely naked, save but for a little tiny g-string. Yeah, kid, you that, that was that was total fail. <laughs> yeah, that kid is total fail. However, there is uh, as when that came out, someone um, did like a little four-panel like uh, like comic making fun of that, mm-hmm. and that uh, it, the first two panels are the same thing. But then um, the next panel is, like, Bato's in the bathroom, naked, <laughs> like, staring out the door at this kid, like, I'm going to kill you. And the kid, the last panel is like, no, it's okay. Because <laughs> Bato's, like, ready to kill this kid if he says yes. And I think of that little comic, that little, that little fan drawing uh, every time I, I see that episode. And in so many ways, that is true. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> so anything else soul bro of your thoughts no i pretty much ran down um, outside of the main plot i ran down uh, those are my some of my favorite individual apps okay yeah artificial apps my... i'm sorry go ahead go ahead. okay um are you sure yeah i'm good okay um are you really of, sure yeah really 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 sure it's it, in terms of um you know my thoughts it's i, I pretty much have already stated I, I like the fact that we get to see the country as a whole and we you know the the whole the whole stress that this war had put on to the country rebuilding as a whole and and its place in you know japan trying to make a play being a, a bigger part of the international community because this is a, the other thing that in here is that whole um, the war clause trying to get rid of that right so um you know and, and things like that and um any thoughts on because i we didn't say much about him but uh kuze the actual antagonist of the individual 11. Anything you liked, disliked about him, Chris Solbro? I think it's interesting that, you know, he was originally supposed to just be a puppet of Goda's as one of these individual 11 who caught the individual 11 virus and was supposed to behead himself, you know, to set off the whole, uh, you know, uh, refugee population to become angry. But then, you know, he doesn't, you know, he turns against that because he has such a strong will and then he ends up becoming the leader of the refugee population and becomes their beacon of hope. But then you have to wonder since he's, his actions are leading things toward a conflict between the Japanese government and the refugees. Is he still playing a part written for him by Goda or is he uh, the X factor as they talk about Mm -hmm. this one time between uh, Bato and Goda? Is he the X factor or is he also just an actor? And I think that's an, it's an interesting point to think about. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you because I felt the same way as, as seeing it. And I, I liked him as an antagonist because... He's not evil. He's no, not evil. Not yeah, he's, he's the justified guy. But you can see that his experiences in the war and everything have just broken him to a point that he's just a shell of himself. And it, it's amazing to see that, you know, like you said, he had such willpower and such strong convictions that he was able to override go to his virus or his program and then he implanted into him right and um you know he becomes the unlikely leader of the refugees because even himself he's just like you know i kind of really don't want to do this and <laughs> you guys should be doing this stuff for yourselves not because i'm telling you to do it so yeah. but so bro yeah uh, kuze he's 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 a sort he's, of pure mind he's, he's cool he, good he's people co- he's cool people no, no, he's 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 the kind of pure-minded uh, individual you rarely see in something cyberpunk, uh, and and to see his uh, his backstory when pure-minded and yet still realistic and still realistic, yeah, exactly. He's not aiming for a pie-in-the-sky unrealistic thing. 
just because he has naive revolutionary ideals. On top of that, he knew that part of his sum game would result in his death in some way, shape, or form. And you know, his his grand scheme. You know, he had he had plenty of outlets to uh, for his plan to end up as soon as you know he became the leader of the of the individual eleven movement. And uh, the fact that he was thinking about his the, the refugees the, and the betterment of the refugees, you know, uh, he was on the other side of the spectrum. You know, you 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 become uh, sympathetic to his cause, and uh, as you learn more about him and the connection between him and the major, you you definitely want them to meet up, and 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 you know that they're going to eventually come to a head. Uh oh, shipping territory. <laughs> Well, you know, eventually it's gonna it's gonna come to a head where they actually have it out and 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 talk to each other and it's gonna fall on their heads is and, what it's oh, gonna no do. doubt. <laughs> but no, he's a very charismatic guy, and I don't want to throw around things. Well, he's a lot like uh, Che Guevara or whatnot. No, um, you know, he's he's kind of his own individual, and no pun intended. But uh, I I really enjoyed his character, and it, it was completely unexpected that we'd see a kind of character in Ghost in the Shell like that. And uh, it was he, he I really I don't see him charismatic in the traditional sense. He's more he's got more of a silent charisma to him you think so yeah mm. i mean he because he, he is so kind of soft-spoken and he, yeah. you know towards the end there his like i said his whole thing was the refugees need to do this for themselves not yeah. just because i'm telling you to do it absolutely or following me so all right anything else on the series very deep yes character. go ahead okay uh as good as the soundtrack for season one was the music for season two is fantastic <laughs> let me tell you something man when that soundtrack dropped years ago i i i, I promptly downloaded it off the internet <laughs> no I, I tell you what when um florida florida Reno trade was still open i bought it from them lock stock and barrel it was one of the best purchases i ever made and uh i honestly can tell you that's one of yoko kano's best soundtracks without a doubt especially uh, i can't be cool it's probably my favorite favorite song in all of the Ghost in the Shell, all of the movies and TV shows combined, and one of my favorite Yoko Kano songs, also. So, yeah, the the that that would that would comprise the third soundtrack. However, I would note um, if you want to get all the music from season two, not all of it was released on that third soundtrack. So you also have to get the soundtrack for Solid State Society. Oh yes, because it has some songs that were used in season two but are not on the season two soundtrack so exactly even for yoko kano very good work and probably um best work she's done um so far this last decade because uh, after that some of the stuff she's done has not been up to that standard i i wholeheartedly agree okay um mhq uh rating of the series chris you're on probably work out to solid four maybe even a four and a half i don't know Okay. For the whole season, averaged out. If I were to have reviewed it, uh, Solbro, my rating, I'd say four and a half myself. You no, know, a, a lot of anime don't, doesn't get better than this. Uh, you know, I, the first and second season even keeled to me. They both show two sides of two different spectrums, and I, I love this. I love this series for it. So four point okay. five. All right, um, a must a must see. I, I must will see. I will use my updated MHQ scale four and a quarter. <laughs> So, so that's a non-standard scale. Non-standard scale. It's better than a zero stars. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking at you in the desco to movie. Uh, I'm not looking at you. I'm only, not. Oh, I, I have nothing to do with that. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking at it either. All right, then the the movie second gig, uh, the individual eleven, which uh, kind of like. The previous movie focuses a little bit more on the actual uh, Individual Eleven storyline with mm -hmm. some expanded scenes and gets a little bit more about uh, Kuze and Kusanagi a little bit. Um, Chris, your thoughts? You know, it's, it's kind of interesting because 
I had not gotten around to seeing that movie until just now for the reviews. Mm-hmm. And you know, this movie was always sort of described as um, you know, oh, it's gonna it was gonna be so different from the Laughing Man movie. You know, it's not just a straight up compilation. And the thing is, I really found that um, that wasn't the case. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was pretty much a lot like uh, like the first one. And what I noticed is that you know, since we mentioned before, because so much of season two relates to the plot compared to season one, there's a lot of stuff gets cut out. Yes, yeah. I, I I have to agree with that. Yeah, you know, they cut out the whole thing of um, you know section nine being used as a distraction, thinking they're transporting nuclear material through refugee area and that whole tense thing of are they going to get out of there they cut all of that out they cut out uh togusa's investigation in the Mm -hmm. refugee area which was a pretty good part Mm -hmm. and you know the fate that befell that woman that he was working with yep um they did the same thing of they used the first episode as just like uh, an opening prologue reduced down to like two or three minutes yeah. They did make some changes I thought it was interesting. They didn't show the individual 11 until right when they're about ready to kill themselves. Yeah. And yeah. they don't show any of the things they did beforehand, their individual terrorist attacks. They even changed it around. They changed it so that um, Section 9 wasn't even there when Kuze tried to assassinate Kayabuki. Yeah, Rich, um, I don't know. That, that, I didn't like that because I, I, I thought the fact that the, 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 thing, the thing of all the second gig is the fact that Section 9 always seemed one step below, behind everything. Yeah. That was kind of the appeal of it. How they're getting played throughout the yeah. whole season. Yeah. So, but continue, Chris. Yeah, of course, all of those um, individual type things focusing on the characters is cut out. Uh, the whole thing of Kusanagi and her backstory is slimmed on a lot. You don't see anything of the stuff in the antique store and... It's only explained much later on, like her just telling Batu about it rather than us seeing it. So I thought that was a little, little Weird. cheap yeah. to do that, you know, because number one rule of running, it's always show, don't tell. Yeah. And they flipped it around. They showed it, and then they stopped showing it, and then they just told it. So there is a lot of stuff that's slimmed down. Uh, when it gets to the end, to the finale, kind of like they did with the first movie, you know, the last one or two episodes or so are pretty much completely intact. You're still getting a lot of stuff here because this movie is about two hours and 40 minutes, just like the first one. So yeah. you're, you're not going to be lost, but there is a lot of good stuff that hit the cutting room floor for this sure movie. Did. But hey, there's, there's only so much you can snap it, uh, smash in even in two hours and 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to keep cramming in that much more stuff at that point, well, it kind of erases <laughs> the point of doing a compilation movie and you just go watch the damn TV series. TV <laughs> so... It's not at all a bad compilation movie. It works perfectly fine as a compilation movie if you didn't see the series. And also, like the first movie, for whatever reason, I don't know why, they had Ocean dub it instead of uh, animes. Yeah. So, again, you've got people like David Kay playing Bato and totally different dub cast. But even more so in this movie, they managed to sound almost exactly like the anime's crew. It's yeah. amazing. It really is amazing. You listen to like, you listen to the major. You listen to Aramaki. You listen to a lot of these people. They sound very, very close to the anime's actors. Yeah. And they're not trying to imitate them, but no. they sound good. And like I said in the the last segment on season one, if this had been the dub crew from the get go, it would still be a very good dub. Yeah. The, the, yeah. It's hard to strike lightning. <laughs> Have lightning strike twice like that. <laughs> Probably. And I've listened to lots of ocean dubs. Mm-hmm. I would say. Um, these gets 
compilation dubs rank up there with uh, Jinro as being their best work. Wow. Yeah. That's high praise. Because sometimes Ocean, as you've seen, can be very hit or miss. Yep. And in those cases with Gits in general are definitely hits. What are you talking about? Now, now, now. Just saying. I, I know it's your heritage, so it's okay. But... Oh, I was just saying. I was just asking it. Anyway, those are my comments on the movie. Soul Bro. I, I'm pretty much in agreement with Chris. Uh, the dub is pretty much on point. Uh, Your agreement with the delegate from Miami. The delegate from Miami. Um, yeah, I do think they cut out way too much. Uh, but it's it's a compilation movie, so what are the choices that they have? But hopefully it acts as a springboard for people to go and check out the TV show once uh, they do check out the movie, if they haven't watched the TV show by then. Um, if you've seen the TV show, then it is a pretty good refresher on what the main plot of the, uh, the TV series was about. But um, some of those precious moments that were in the tv show you'll miss them when you precious watch the movie moments. <laughs> but yeah I, I i thought it was a very good watch yeah i'd have to say the same thing i i think it it it's it's you know like like you guys stated you, if you put anything else in there you might as well just watch the series mm-hmm. um but i i think it just shows there's so much in this series that you know it's it's in the end if you really want the full effect you just need to end up watching the, the series as a whole but i think as a refresher or or just something that you know just to kind of you hadn't seen it in a while and you know you don't want to devote all the time to watching the series and it works out pretty well so uh, uh soul bro mhq scale ova of the uh movie Probably. no the uh the, the series but yes the movie what well, we're talking about you're funny um no i'd say i give it a 3.5 okay chris zero um Yes, zero. <laughs> I don't hold it against it that it cuts it just because of the limitations of time. So as a, literally, no joke intended, as a standalone movie, uh, it works just fine as it is. So yeah, four. Okay. Word? I'd have to say probably three and a half, four uh, for myself. Uh, right. Maybe closer in the 3.75 range, but I was told that that... I'm, I'm like using the metric system here. So, uh, but... um. You're using the Microsoft banana system. <laughs> well, I'm not asking for money. but um, I'll trade you two bananas for that lint. <laughs> <laughs> two bananas equal 40 points. Um, anything else, guys, on second gig or the individual 11 compilation movie? Nope. Forever I now. noticed. I noticed there's a nice uh, little homage to the original movie at, in episode one of season two. When they have this hostage situation, yeah, and uh, Kusanagi, she there's this guy holding a hostage. She swoops in, shoots him in the head, blows his head up, and the police are there like, <laughs> they run over to the window and they see her just falling down away from them with a little smile on her face, and she uh, turns on her optic camouflage, yeah. which you know is exactly like the opening of the first movie, except for the part about her not being naked. Yeah. No, I do. I do see Mamoroshi's name in the um in every you know the opening of the show. Did he have an active hand in uh, the second season, or did he you know was he just a consultant? Or... I believe he was a story consultant for season two, right. as was uh, Masamune Shiro. Nice. But I don't think that he was directly involved in terms of actual writing or anything, but I do think they consulted him. It could also just be your, you know, like, traditional, like, uh, credit you have to throw in, just like how Tamino is credited mm-hmm. in every Gundam series, even though he didn't have anything to do with half of them, but just because he created the franchise. <laughs> you're just saying that because you're a UC elitist. Oh. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else? All right. 
Well, that's our anime or our anime roundup of uh, Ghost in the Shell second gig, uh, the series and the individual eleven movie. Uh, I believe next time we are going to do some double dealing on this to kind of close us out. And uh, I don't know if it's going to be the next episode or maybe an episode uh, pretty soon, pretty recent. Uh, but we'll be covering uh, the movie Innocence and Solid State Society. So. Uh, Stay tuned for that, but we'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Come back here! I'm not finished with you! Gundam! If you're into sports, working out, or just need a new pair of shoes, and you're a proud listener of Gundam at MAHQ, well, we got the thing for you. If you go to Gundam.net, you can click on the Champs banner and receive 10% off a $50 or more purchase by entering the code AFMAHQCH or 15% off of a $75 or more purchase using the code AFGUNDCH. If you're a fan of the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, college sports, or even stuff like Major League Soccer and a lot of your uh, premiership soccer jerseys, definitely go to champsports.com for all those needs. And also visit them because they have some great deals on footwear and other products. We, the hosts of Gundam at MHQ, visit champsports.com for all of our footwear and sporting good needs. You should too. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning, In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. Just gotta keep on trucking, yes sir! I'm gonna go outside and make myself a nice, big, shiny, first place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day! Gum damn it! Well, alright, you're messy. Would you make me a medal too? This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is sponsored by Champ Sports. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. If you've been following our postings on Gundam.net, you might have seen me recently review Anime Midstream's release of the Super Robot series Raijino on DVD. And we're going to be talking both about that series and its distributor today. We have as special guests Jimmy Taylor, the executive producer of the DVD release, as well as Yuki, the voice actress who portrays Jin Hyuga, the main character of Raijino. So say hello, folks. Hello. hello. 
Hi. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares about you, Solo. Well, damn. <laughs> you're, you're old news. You're not the guest. <laughs> this is not one of your appearances on 20 million other podcasts. Well, damn it. He's barely a host at times. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, the, the question that I've been wanting to ask the most, which I think is most appropriate as the first one, is that Anime Midstream appeared on the scene in uh, 2008 at the same time we were seeing established companies like um, Genion, Central Park Media, uh, Fold. So my question for you, Jimmy, to start things off is, why get into the anime business and why at the specific time that you did? Okay, uh, pretty much we had thought about doing it for a while. Uh, actually, we thought about doing it up back in like 05 and stuff, and we just uh, finally decided to do it because we've been going to anime conventions for many years, and it just seems that there wasn't that many, um, you know, variety out there. It's almost like, you know, every show is kind of, you know, not really a copy of each other, but it's like this, this is off this and off this and off this, and we're like, we need a little more variety. So we decided they never ever bring shows really back from the old days. So I talked with some people, and we all got together, and we said, hey, you know, let's pull together, let's do it. We've been talking about it for years, let's put up or shut up. And uh, we pretty much sat down at the table, we made a name, we registered it, and then boom, there we were, Anime Midstream. Mm-hmm. And um, where did you proceed from there? Did you um, seek out investors to give you capital? How did you get uh, your operation set up? Uh, to get set up, pretty much, uh, we all actually pulled together just to get started up ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you know, after getting pretty much, you know, I guess all the legal stuff out of the way where the company was, you know, physically, officially registered and all that stuff. Then we started talking, you know, to people about investing and stuff. We talked to, you know, uh, production companies, especially companies here in St. Louis because a lot of production companies here. And mm-hmm. then eventually we found uh, someone that was willing to back us and uh, been with us ever since. Mm-hmm. And uh, did any of your people have any prior experience working in the American anime licensing industry, or were you all newcomers? Um, actually, let's see, pretty much, I think myself was like one of the only original ones because I had done uh, uh, voiceovers for, um, you know, I think I think only one anime company I worked for over the years. Mm-hmm. And I also, but then a lot of the people that, even though they weren't in anime, they had, you know, production background. You know, they worked in radio or TV production or just making commercials and stuff. So everyone had some kind of production background when we all got together. Mm-hmm. So we weren't just a couple, you know, guys, okay, let's just do this. Yeah, we, we, we did work in, not just in the anime industry, but, you know, radio and TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, these days, for, for the last few years, um, a lot of the Sunrise titles get released over here by Bandai Entertainment before it used to be by a lot of other companies. So how did Raijuno end up being your first license and why that specific show? Uh, actually, it was kind of luck that we got Raijuno because we had a list of old titles from like the 80s and 90s and we pretty much contacted every company. It was either unavailable or, you know, since we didn't have, you know, a title to our name, you know, they're like, well, wait till you put out a title, then we'll talk normal normal stuff and then it's kind of like we're just like mm, maybe Raijuno is available because we and we called Sunrise and they're like sure it's available uh, what do you want to do and that's, that's pretty much we started from there just talking and stuff and then we uh, found out actually who owned the rights to Raijuno through Sunrise and we struck a deal with uh, that company and uh, we got it it was it's pretty it was pretty much it sounds a little more simpler than it was but that's pretty much the gist of it Right on. <laughs> and does your license of Raijuno include the OAV sequel that was made after the TV show? Uh, no, it doesn't. It's only for the TV show, but I'm doing my best to try to find out who's got the OAVs and if I can still get them. 
I'm I'm trying. Mm -hmm. It's so sad. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We'll uh, talk a little bit about the show um, later on, but uh, my next question is uh, in regards to the dubbing of the show. A trend that we're seeing a lot with uh, the more established anime companies is that a lot of releases are going sub only, whether they're older titles or in some cases even brand new titles fresh from Japan are now sub only. So. Um, why did you guys decide to dub Raijino? Because when we actually, uh, we wanted to dub a show, you know, from an older period because dubs from that time, you know, they were kind of, you know, quirky and stuff like that. So we kind of said we wanted to do a dub like that. And Raijino was just such a fun show. It's a fun show not to not have a dub. And we just said we got to dub this. So that's why we firstly decided to dub it. And again, another reason we decided to dub, because like you say, you know, it's mostly subtitle release only and dubs are kind of disappearing. So we kind of wanted to bring that back. And that's why we decided to dub. And we did present all this when we bought the license and they loved the idea that we wanted to do a dub. Mm -hmm. And from what I've read, I believe you all did an, an open audition. Can you explain what that was about? Oh, the open. You remember that, you don't you? Uh, actually, yeah, we did an open audition. We pretty much uh, put out a casting call in the uh, St. Louis and Illinois state area, or St. Louis City and Illinois state area. And we were trying to figure out where to have it, so we actually had it at an anime convention here in the St. Louis area. It was uh, called Anime St. Louis. So we had pretty much um, people that, have, that pretty much uh, made appointments to come in. We did it there, and then we actually opened the auditions to the public, so anyone at the convention could audition for the show. So we actually let the fans audition as well. <laughs> wow. That's where I was. <laughs> yeah. And is Yuki that was how one you of those fans that made it. <laughs> oh, well, tell us about that, Yuki. Um, I honestly, I, to be completely honest, I did not know about it until that day. Like, I wasn't paying attention to the forums at all. And then I was like, oh, I'll go in. And I just, like, winged it. And here I am. It was actually really nerve-wracking, but at the same time, I was just kind of, like, thinking of something that I could do that would have a good range of my voice. So I did something that was on Newgrounds, like, just popped into my head. And I, like, was, he was, like, Jimmy was trying to hold the laughter the entire time that I was doing this. And it was just so funny. I, like, afterwards, we just all, like, cracked up laughing. But it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and what sort of anime are you a fan of? Um, it varies a lot. I really like um, like uh, really I like the funny stuff. I don't really like the really serious stuff. <laughs> but um, I, re I really haven't watched a lot of the Gundam series, but I do enjoy like mech stuff. It's like but it's just something about it is really like kind of cool to watch like the detail in them and stuff. Like that's cool about it. But I really haven't seriously watched a lot of those. Uh, I guess um. Pfft. I don't know. I like a, I, I like more of the drama, drama funny stuff, or just stuff that doesn't ever make any sense. So, <laughs> that's a lot of them. Oh yeah. <laughs> so uh, one thing that's pretty common both in Japan and the U.S. in dubbing is to have um, female actresses play the roles of young boys because they can do sort of that <laughs> high pitched, um, prepubescent voice. So is it odd to be playing a character of the opposite gender? Um, it's. It's kind of a funny story to tell, like, you know, your friends or whatever. They're like, oh, oh, you do that? Yeah, what do you do? Do you do, like, you know, a cute little girl? Like, no, no, I do a 10-year-old boy. And they're like, what? So it's kind of, like, a really funny, like, I guess, opening to the conversation. But it's it's not really weird anymore, not really odd. I think it's kind of fun. Because, like, when you sit there and think about it, and you, like, look at all the other, like, you know, younger boys in anime, and you listen to the dubs, it's like, that's a girl. And then that like, kind of makes you feel a little bit more, I guess, powerful in some sense because, like, you know, guys can't do that little voice. So it's like, ha-ha, <laughs> no offense or anything. But, like, it's, just, it's a lot of fun to do them because, you know, they're, they have a mind of, like, 
a little immature kid and like you get to step down to this level and you're just like, oh yeah. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, given that you are playing a particularly uh, rascally character, uh, <laughs> do you find yourself like drawing on your own like elementary school experience of yourself or of classmates and doing this part? I do. A lot of times Jimmy always tells me, he's like, okay, now put your mindset in here. So then when I do that, it just comes out so natural because I'm already like crazy and hyper. So then I sit here and I'm like, okay, I'm this kid who has this really high ego who's driving this gigantic robot. And he's like, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm better than everybody here. And then when he loses, of course, everyone gets mad. So it's a lot of fun when he gets angry and stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a lot. Yeah, people who haven't seen the show or read my review, uh, Jin's a pretty interesting character because he's uh, very allergic to test taking to the point that um, two two episodes focus on this. In one, he uh, hides his tests underneath a uh, Buddhist shrine. (laughs) Stuffs him in in a goat's mouth, tries to. Yeah, and his hatred of tests gives birth to a uh, a test monster with pencil arms. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For, for both of you, both of you, uh, Yuki and Jimmy, um, when you're sitting down working on the scripts or doing the recording, um, how much do you all just crack up at the ridiculousness that's in every episode of this show? <laughs> just thinking about it, we're cracking up. I mean, it, all the time. I mean, it's like, you know, we're like, okay, Yuki, come in. We're going to do like a two-hour recording session. And it usually doubles the time because we're laughing so much <laughs> and watching the scenes because sometimes when we do the show, they either watch it and I let them watch the whole show all the way through, and then small stuff we just jump through. But we watch the episodes, we dub it, so we're cracking up all the time. We we have to usually double our schedules because we're laughing yeah. so much. <laughs> even when I like show the DVD to my friend, like I just sit here, and every time they're watching it for the first time, I'm sitting here knowing exactly what's going on and what happened, and I start laughing, and they're like, "What are you laughing at?" Oh, nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> so it it's just so much fun, and then like. Like he said, like just thinking about it, it just makes me crack up. <laughs> I, I kind of get that impression from the uh, the dub bloopers that you have on both the discs. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the, Should we tell them about the most recent one? Uh, the recent one? When I tripped. <laughs> yeah, we have an interesting blooper coming up, actually. Interesting made bloopers. Uh, Yuki actually uh, kind of almost hurt herself in the studio in the last recording we did. <laughs> How did you do that? Well, there's a scene coming up where she's helping... <laughs> take care of these siblings of one of the classmates, the really big guy, I think his name is Daisuke. Yeah. Um, and there's a scene where Jin can't take anymore because the little girl, his sister, slams his face into a cake. Oh, so he loses it, and he just decides he's going to destroy these kids. So he starts running around, and I was telling Yuki, okay, you know, I'm going to put a fade on this so it sounds like he's running, you know, from room to room. And Yuki's like, oh, I'll do that for you. So she starts running back and forth in the studio. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> side to side, and she forgets that there's a chair there. Oh. So she hits the chair. You just hear a big bang, and then you see her bounce off the wall and land on the floor. Oh. Laugh. Goodness. <laughs> Hope you're all right. I it all on the mic, and I, I forget the mic is on still because I'm laughing so hard. So there's a whole exchange of her and me laughing and yelling at each other and me trying to see if she's okay and all that stuff. So, so I take it you used the fade the next uh, next take, I would imagine. No, no, she uh, she came back and did it again, and she Got actually the chair out of the way. She actually moved the chair out of the studio so she didn't hit it. <laughs> I learned from this time. <laughs> Sounds like you do your own stunts. Well, that's the best. You got to learn. Yeah, you always got to learn from your mistakes. It's like the robot thing. Like, I always make sure I do the movement. Kind of kind of feel like I'm the character already. So doing the movement kind of helps. 
Yeah, she she actually when Jen acts out, she's actually doing the movements. So when he pulls out that medal, she's doing like the the poses and everything. <laughs> it's hard not to laugh. Bringing method that bring bringing method acting to dubbing. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. It's it's a lot of fun though cuz it like it really does help when you do like the movements and stuff cuz gives you like not only where the voice goes but also gives you that more of like that sense that you are the character and you just do it now. <laughs> and um when you're dubbing um how many takes does it take uh when since you're the main hot-blooded character you have to do lots of screaming of moves uh, and you know the name of the robot or just yelling at the enemy in, in general um for like maybe one you asking for like one episode yeah, yeah. oh what about 200 almost i'd say that's probably the most about 200 depending on the, about 200 takes um uh, with the mess ups and the bloopers and I guess around 200. Yeah. It, it really depends on, like, the episode, because Jin does talk yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, he talks a lot. And also, it depends on how Yuki's feeling. You know, if she's having an off day, you know, it's, it might take more. If she's Sometimes she has great days where it's like we get it in one shot, and it's just like... I think one time we got, like, two episodes and what? Two yeah, we did. We, like, got two episodes done and what, two, 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 two days? Two, two hours. hours. Yeah. yeah, she was really wow. on her game that day. So sometimes <laughs> it's like, oh, you got done in 50 takes, and the other one's like, okay, um, you had 350 takes. Uh, go home. <laughs> <laughs> it leads me it leads me to ask um how hard was it to adjust to the whole lip flaps timing thing when you when you first started with um vo- voicing Jen? Not hard at all actually. Like the like the first time I did it was really kind of confusing. There'd be times when he's like lip flaps of flaps. And then after that you start noticing and then like what really helps me is that I can memorize really easily. Mm-hmm. So like I try to once I get that line down, then I can look at the screen and I get it. So it's it's really it's it's not that complicated with me because I can memorize, but I don't know about everyone else. But it's really hard. <laughs> yeah, and and the method we use, like uh, I think most most uh, companies use uh, like time code method where mm-hmm. they have the time codes written down when the lips are open and shut. I don't do that. I pretty much uh, use like a three beep method, so they hear mm-hmm. the mic beep like it's gonna go off, and I'm kind of like, okay, last beep, go, and <laughs> and I make them watch the scene over and over again. So by the time they're ready to do the scene, they've got it memorized. <laughs> right on. Now, uh, with a lot of um, American dubbing, um, you generally have the voice director working with the actors recording the parts individually. So do you all do that recording the parts individually? Do you record as a group together? Um, Um, There was one scene that we did together, but then it's... It depends on the scenes, actually, yeah. because a lot of times everyone's done individually and and stuff, because we only have one, one studio, so mm-hmm. we can't do multiple recordings at one time. It's like one character. But we have scenes that require <laughs> some characters to be talking at the same time a lot. We do it together. Like, um, in each scene, you know where the... Uh, uh, fairy. The fairy. Felzeb comes out of the uh, villain's chest. Uh, I think his name is Belzeb. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Julian Cole, who play those characters, they came in and they're pretty much facing the mic and they're pretty much screaming each other's face to get that done. They did that together. And also, if you remember the uh, scene in um, the second volume where Maria had to sing. Mm-hmm. Well, if you yeah, there's actually a, a scene where Jen and Maria are arguing and we tried to do that separately and it did not work. So I brought in uh, Christine and Yuki and I said, you know what, you two are going to do this scene together. And they did it together and it turned out great. You know, I think there was a blooper in the second DVD because of, we like the first time we did it. We were just we couldn't like it. Yeah, I think I had to put a beep in there because you guys were cussing. <laughs> <laughs> you kept messing up. Yeah, we, we it was we just kept messing up. And I think Christine had like more of like profanity i guess when she messes up <laughs> actually you were the one that cussed well i know i do occasionally but i know that every time i hear hers it's like but yeah <laughs> there's something wrong with that <laughs> yeah 
That's and what, uh, go I ahead. Just, oh, I was just gonna say that's why you have editing. We do that too. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of like I put it in the I put it in the bleeps, you know, so you know, in case yeah. some little kids watching the show, you know, I don't want them to hear any cuss words. But when we do conventions and stuff, I bring the unedited bloopers to the conventions <laughs> and show people, and they really get a kick out of it. There you go. <laughs> Those I have to check out. <laughs> They're hysterical. You might you might need an extra pair of pants. Yeah, maybe I need to put them on on uh, online or something. You know, uncensored bloopers. <laughs> I noticed Jimmy from the credits that um, a lot of your production staff does uh, double duty as voice actors, and I believe you did the voice of of Eldren yourself. So. Um, how much of your crew does those uh, wearing those multiple hats of production and voice uh, acting? Mostly, mostly all the crew does because, mm -hmm. uh, like, I'm the uh, executive producer and all the other credits that I have in there. I don't know how many there are, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I played Elderon and I also fit, fill in to do uh, extras as well when I can't find someone that fits the tone and I think I can do it, or the cast says, "Oh, you do that. You can do it." <laughs> you know. And also, the reason I played Elderon is because we couldn't find anyone, and he had so corny lines, and they joked to go. Well, you know, Elderon's the god of that universe, and you're the boss. Play Elderon, you know. So yeah. <laughs> that, that's the joke there. Why I'm playing Elderon, and he only appears, I think, maybe three times in the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> and but everyone does. Like uh, Christine, you know, she plays Maria, and she's also the localizer. Uh, makes it more conversational English. Um, and Gilda, our uh, marketing director, she does a lot of extra works as extras as well. Um, Julie Grau, she plays uh, Felzeb, and she actually plays um, Iko, another character in the show. And she also helps with quality control. And then Cole Belzeb, he plays Belzeb. And uh, he also does a lot of the DVD interactive stuff that we have on there. And, the and, and who else? There's probably a couple others that do that, too. Well, I know that Felzeb, which is Julie. Cole and Julie. Yeah, Sorry, Julie. Felzeb is Belzeb Julie. Is, yeah. And Belzeb, I know they also do, occasionally you'll hear Jen's parents. And I know that yeah, that's <laughs> another joke, too. Uh, Belzeb and Felzeb, the two villains, actually play Jen's parents in the show as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a crack out of that. It's yeah. like... Irony on both sides. It's it's that cool. <laughs> well, sometimes parents can be villains. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially the little kids. I think uh, who does? I don't know. I have, it's kind of tough because it's like when they're in here working on something, or they're working on on something else. And I did an old lady. Yeah, you played an old lady in one episode. Actually, yeah, it was the one with the. No, ah, cut out that noise! Oh, that noise! No thanks. Is that the episode yeah. of? Uh, the noise monster. That was, that, that, yeah, that was yeah. the noise monster. Yeah, the noise. It was the same episode that Maria had to sing. I think it's when yeah, the, it's when the cool. punk rockers were uh, rocking out, and the guy was the, the old woman was screaming at him. <laughs> she creates it again. Yeah, my my voice is powerful. Yeah, pretty much a lot. Uh, pretty much over half the crew does does double duty. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of gives them all like a variety of things to do. Yeah, and then and also since my cast is also working on the show as far as voicing the show, so they know what's going on, and, and it also helps when they come in to do their characters because they already kind of already work with the show and yuki did you have any experience in acting before getting involved with anime midstream um I've of done any a, variety i've done a couple theater things um i kind of do like uh skits at conventions but mm -hmm. a little, i've actually started taking acting classes after i got into this um but beforehand i actually did some theater and i like actually do want to be like a voice actress and actor so it kind of all crumbled together Doors open for me, so I decided to walk on in. <laughs> so, how how different is theater work from what you do voice acting in the studio? Um, at first it was it was like 
really different. <laughs> but then, like, once I noticed that I can actually move and actually voice at the same time, it kind of helped mm. me. So that's kind of why I also move around because I'm used to, like, expressing my actions. But putting it through a voice is kind of a little bit more difficult than it is, you know, with your, your expressions. So, but it kind of is kind of cool at the same time. Well, I, I know when I talk to people on the phone, I, I definitely talk with my hands, even though they can't see the voice <laughs> yeah. I'm doing. So do you, do you do that when you're dubbing? Uh, yeah, I, I use my hands a lot. If, like, I try not to use them as much because I have sometimes the script in my hands and like mm-hmm. there'll be like a crinkle in the background so I try to like keep one hand still and the other one's like <laughs> but you can't really see that but you had the notion like that you know you could feel it in your mind that my hand was moving really fast a uh, question for both of you uh, what do you both find appealing about the show um, it's just fun, <laughs> it's, a lot of fun. It's, it's just a lot of fun it's one of those shows that just you know we brought it over because it's one it's one of those gyms that was kind of lost you know it's a mm-hmm. really it's a really fun show. It's a show you can't take seriously. You don't need to, you know, sit down. If you miss a few episodes, it's like I'm lost. You know, you can pretty much pick up the show anywhere, and you're going to love it because it's just so fun and quirky. And, you know, Very it's just corny. yeah, it's just, it's just a fun show. You know? <laughs> did I say it's fun? Yeah, yeah. it's fun. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Did, did you find it fun? <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It is a lot <laughs> it's of fun. fun. <laughs> It, it is oh sorry Chris because I just wanted to ask a quick question uh, is that I know that this is your first release and everything is that going to be kind of your mindset when you look for other releases is going to be a it's fun for you guys to do or, or you know or b if it's just something that you feel um, I don't know it might be financially successful or what I don't I don't really know because. You know, it, it, it's like Chris had stated earlier, we'd seen the industry has gone through a lot of things and it seems like there's been a lot of decisions that were made that probably led to the demise of a lot of those other companies. And I, did, I didn't know, if, you know, what your guys kind of focus is when it comes to building on Rijano, you know, yeah, as, as right, a company. Yeah, yeah see, Rijano was kind of just, you know, it was, it was lucky that we got it and yeah. we were kind of happy that we did get it because... Rajano was like on the bottom of the list of all the stuff we picked because we picked, you know, shows that were like maybe six episodes or 13 episodes, you know, just and, and you know, and OAVs and stuff. And we're kind of like and then Rajano came up and we're kind of like, wow, you know, it's it's such a gem. And and then they we got it offered. We said, you know, even though it's a long show, we grabbed it and we're kind of like it's not what we were planning to do. But it was like when we got it, we kind of put our mindset, OK, it's a fun show. We got to make it fun. And that's what we did. And then we've already kind of discussed, like, the next title we're going to do. Like, we, we're doing this, like, really kid show and stuff like that. And then other people have asked if we're going to, you know, continue, you know, because there's, like, two more shows to go with this one. And we've talked about releasing them as – we might release them as well if we can get them. But I don't know if we will dub them because, again, it's a fun sh- – it's a Raijin is kind of a fun show where it's a story-driven. The other shows are more robot-driven. There's not too yeah. much story or character development. Mm-hmm. So we might just – we might – if we do get them, we might sub those only and put them out because there's not – much character development and then also the next shows we've already discussed that the next show may not be a kid's show at all we might go for more of the um teenage to young adult show we might do a drama next so oh. it, you know we've, we've talked you know we've talked about everything like we might do um either a drama you know of ser- something serious and we might even do like maybe you know fighting and blood and stuff like that we might go from kids to just almost you know mature stuff mm-hmm. and but you never know. We might root back to you know doing like uh, girls in miniskirts fighting something. Right. You know, it's just oh, you know we <laughs> you know we've we've just uh, discussed so many titles. So it's not like we're not just set on just doing kids show. We're we we want to do 
pretty much anything that came from that genre of the 80s and 90s because those gems are missing and that's mainly what we wanted to do was to bring over stuff that's been out been released a long time ago but never was really seen so, so, so. You're, you're positioning yourself more as like a, a classic uh, mm. distributor you know and yeah because you would figure stuff from the 80s and 90s now would be that's what you'd figure those would be classic so you're yeah. just trying to show what was you know the good things about those times and not necessarily just be like we're just going to do robot shows or we're just going to yeah, do you yeah, know, high exactly. school community drama okay exactly I, i'm a big i'm a big mech fan and and a lot of people that work with the show are really big mech fans and we and they were happy that i got a mech show and that it was a sunrise show too they couldn't yeah. believe that i got a sunrise title and everyone went nuts just because it was sunrise and then you know, when we've joked around and like, oh, what can we do next from Sunrise? And everyone's like sitting through the catalogs, you know, <laughs> you know, going through the catalog. Oh, look, uh, nah, we're not going to get that one, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and it's just it's it's just fun. And, and everyone's like, oh, we're doing a mech show. Do we need to do another mech show or we got to do something else? So we're open to variety. We don't want to be stuck with one genre. We, we actually want to expand and do other genres and then come back to mech and then go somewhere else. You know, it's just it, it's it's also kind of dependent on what's available at the time. Like when we finish Raijin you know, We'll sit down and we'll find out what's available, and then we'll go through the titles and like, okay, out of all the titles that are available, which one we think would be good or people might want to see, and then that's the one we pick. Mm-hmm. I, I got another question then. Um, so is there anything that you've learned from uh, what has happened in the last couple of years with these other companies? I mean, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure that you've, uh, you've seen it, and you know, the best way that sometimes we learn what not to do is to see others' failings, and I was just wondering, is that... Is that something that you guys have kind of put into your your business model too of um you know doing this because like chris stated earlier i mean this is you know just the current economic times and everything like that and this this type of industry it, it's pretty amazing to see a startup um really come in with um you know kind of a, a classic title uh, as their first offering so um yeah we we actually discussed that when we were doing it we're kind of like okay you know these companies are gone well, the first thing that came to my mind was like, oh, I hope we can grab those licenses if they're gone. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, <laughs> yeah, that was the first thing. But then we were thinking, you know, but we were also thinking if we can do this and we can make it through this tough time, then when things get good, we should have no problems whatsoever. So we were just like, you know, if we're going to do it, let's do it now while it's hard. Right. Because if we can get through the hard period, then once things get back on track, hopefully, then we should have no problems and hopefully we'll be able to prosper and you know still be around hopefully but we are we do look at some things that that went wrong and we're like okay let's try not to do this you know we try to we try to look at some mistakes that have been made and the way some things have gone and we're like okay well let's try not to do this but then you know eventually if something happens we might have to do that because that's where you know i guess where technology and stuff goes you you have to do that you don't have a choice and you just honestly you just have to hope for the best i mean we we do what we think is right ourselves and we also want to please the fans as well and we're just hoping that it all works out in the end you know well, good luck on that one because you can yeah. never please yeah. fans. That's, that's the best way i can put it you know i mean if i sit down with all the business models I'm like okay this 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 but yeah and, i don't want to get technical no 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 and I, I don't want you to but you know we we have this we have discussed it many a times on our previous episodes about some of the issues that have gone on and um you know i, I think this is a i think this is a, a great story and you know it's just kind of um, you know, just kind of getting your thoughts on that because, um, you know, it, it, it is, uh, you know, sometimes you do have to just go straight forward, but, um, I just kind of wanted to get you guys thoughts on that. So, yeah, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much just 
I'm hoping for the best. Let's, we're just going to, you know, grit, bear with it, get through it, and, and just keep going and keep going. That's, that's, that's our thing. <laughs> so, Jimmy, um, even though Ride You Know is a vintage title, it's the first time it's been released here in the U.S., so with your focus on older titles, do you plan to include in that mix uh, license rescues from these defunct companies, if that's a possibility, if those licenses if would, are available? It, if they're available, we we might. I mean, we've already discussed shows that are owned by other companies, and we're like, okay, uh, you know, I wonder if these people grab the license. And we did did some research. And we're like, okay, this company has this license, but or this company has this license. But even you know, if a company has a license, you know, we might you never know. They might want to get rid of the license and sell it to us. You know, just, we don't we don't know. But we we're hoping maybe to pick up some titles that were that were pretty much uh, lost, I guess, mm-hmm. during uh, some of the company's falls. Um, but I don't. But again, you know, it depends on uh, you know what what happens when you want those titles and if we can get them. Because there's there's more to it than just the title being available. Right. Yeah. There's, there's and a lot uh, more. with Raijano, uh there's been a pretty long gap between the release of the volumes. So, do you have a sort of like release window in mind for Volume Three? And you know, what can we expect to see in the wait for future volumes beyond that? Uh, yeah, because right now we're actually finishing up Volume Three. Um, they're pretty much working on the menus right now and stuff. And then uh, Yuki's here today because we're hopefully going to finish up Jen today. And um, I think we have two more characters that need to be finished recording. And we're done with that. So I'm hoping because um, once it gets out of my hands, it goes to the manufacturers. It depends. It's on them how quick it gets done. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping for a late spring release. I'm hoping that's when it's got, that's kind of shooting it out there later on so i'm hoping if i had to guess i'd say may or june for the next one and then if we can um cut down on some stuff because this year it's taken longer because uh we had all that bad weather here in missouri as right. long as everywhere else uh, people couldn't get here to record and stuff and then a lot of people were sick my actors are sick they're sick i don't have them come in and um i myself was sick as well so i couldn't get anything done and we're kind of like a, a month and a half to two months behind already because of weather and, and illness, illness and stuff. So um, I'm hoping for late May, early June release if uh, everything goes right. Mm-hmm. And one thing I've noticed a lot of companies are pursuing now is uh, online streaming. Funimation, mm-hmm. yeah. they have their own streaming channel on their website. Um, a lot of companies are using Netflix and Hulu. So is that something that you would consider for future series as a way to um, – get your stuff out there for people to see it oh yeah it's something we would consider but um like right now though we we can't we're not doing that and um it's it's also when we you know talked and stuff that when we got the license they didn't want want like regional streaming if i remember Mm -hmm. correctly it was and, and the reason they gave it to us was one of the ideas we we gave them is that how we wanted to release it and they just loved the old style release that we decided to do you know the I guess we called it the old fanboy way, you know, five episodes of disc, you know, <laughs> cover art, you know, bloopers, and um, and also and also there's actually going to be spine art as well. So when you put Ooh. all the DVDs together, it's gonna it's gonna make a picture. You know, that's kind of what we decided. To do. Nice. Wow. If if you if you didn't notice that, yes, I did. I did notice that uh, with my <laughs> review copies. I get excited every time like I get another DVD. It's like, oh my god. It's almost there. Next time, sure. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and you don't see you don't see things like that anymore either. So that's no, another yeah. thing we decided to do was put spine art on it to form a bigger picture when it's all done. How um how 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 difficult can that be sometimes to deal with um 
I, I guess Sunrise or you know whoever's holding the rights for it. Um, I mean, is, um, is that? I I, I, I know you got to be diplomatic because it, you know, but it, it's just one of those things where um, is is that a big issue sometimes of how these things are going to get done? I know this is your first release, but you know, is is that seem you know like you said they they were more or less wanting to do the old school way instead of doing streaming. And yeah, it's uh, it, it kind of depends on when we were working on the contract. It's like okay, okay, this show, this, these are what we're, these are what you're allowed to do and stuff, and we agree to that, and that's what it is. But then you never know in the future they might say, okay, if you want to stream it, stream it. But right now it's kind of like DVD release only. So we're like, okay, fine. And uh, also when it comes to dealing with Sunrise, when I when I have dealings with them, yeah, very nice, very polite. They're good to work with. And then also, you know, other people that help me out. You know, they deal with Sunrise. And a lot of times I don't even have to talk to Sunrise because I have other people um, do it for me. I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I have a middleman and then Sunrise. And they kind of tell them pretty much the original – because the original company that uh, held the license to Raijin O is also kind of helping me as well. and As as, as well. So they're like, uh, okay, uh, Sunrise says you need to do this or do that. And then I'm kind of like, oh, okay. You know, it's it's just – kind of how it is so a lot of times i don't have to deal with sunrise because someone else does does for me but anytime sunrise tells me you know something needs to be done you know i i do it because mm -hmm. again this is my first title you know i don't you know i'm so happy that sunrise was more than happy to to work with me to get it oh yeah and i mean you, you know, know and I, I i i'm so happy that that they wanted to work with us and it's pretty much they say something i do it <laughs> <laughs> well being smart businessmen too, because you know, mm -hmm. one of these yeah. days you'll hit the final ep the final volume of Right, you know. So yeah, you, you need to go somewhere Hopefully. else. <laughs> <laughs> Someday down the road. <laughs> well, it is yeah. springtime, so we don't have to worry about snow too much more. Maybe. Yeah, hopefully it it speed up, and then also you know we go you know like any other company we go through staff changes and stuff like that. So you know things get get slowed down. Sometimes things get sped up, and just something we deal with. But um. I don't really have any problems with uh, with anyone else because all the other companies are nice to me. Um, I talk to everyone else. You know, everyone's rooting for me. Everyone wants to help me out. It's mm -hmm. just um, it's I, a tough battle. It's, it's it's tough, but you know, it's uh, they've they've made me feel very welcome in the uh, world of anime. I guess you could say. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, it's, it it's, it seems that you know it seems that you guys are you know really trying to do something that you know probably the industry needs kind of a fresh take on things. So I don't know. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess because this is something that you don't really see much of. I mean, some companies yeah. are bringing back some of the older titles, but you know they're just mm -hmm. subbing them and, and just and putting them out there, which I'm actually loving to see because I'm like, yes, you know, <laughs> they're they're doing that stuff too. I'm like, it helps me even. <laughs> exactly. So, Jimmy, in terms of the production, um, is Sunrise hands on with any of the elements like um, the translation, translation of character names, robot names, or is that all up to you guys? Uh, it's kind of up to me because when I got it, that was one of the first questions I asked, that if I had to change any names or if I had to uh, change anything in the script, you know, everyone was like, you know what, do what you got to do to make mm -hmm. to make it work. And I'm like, okay, so as far as creative control on changing the scripts and stuff, yeah, that, because a lot of times you have rewrites when we even record the show, because after the show's, after the thing's been translated like so many times, yeah. you know, because... Um, like the materials itself, like the script itself from Sunrise is it's it's handwritten, and this was done 20 years ago. Okay, <laughs> so it's a handwritten script, but it's a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a handwritten script. Oh, wow, <laughs> that gives you an idea of why it takes a little while to translate. It's how, yeah. it's how I used to get anime: a copy of a copy of a copy yeah, exactly. of a VHS tape. Yeah, exactly. And um, 
it's like okay and we and we translate it and you know and, and like normal times it's it's broken english you know it's english but when we translate it it's it's broken or it doesn't make sense so we do a lot of rewrites yeah uh, uh christine thompson uh, our, our localizer after our translator um reiko is our translator after she breaks it down and makes it readable <laughs> then cat goes in or uh, christine and she um pretty much makes it you know understandable english yeah. i guess we joke we say english to english <laughs> is, is kind of what she does and um and a lot of times she makes sure that it fits the lip flaps too because i give her the episodes when she does the translation with the scripts to make sure it actually matches the flaps as well so uh, a lot of times now i don't have to do any rewrites because uh Chris, christine nails it I, I remember like in the beginning it was we had to like adjust it and then like slowly it started to yeah work. now it just matches perfectly. yeah the so first five episodes i had the uh the broken english version of the script because oh, <laughs> christine hadn't taken up the hat of localizer yet so i had the broken english script in front of me and pretty much we were it took a long time to get volume one out because we were rewriting the script as we recorded it so each line was being rewritten as we recorded it it's a challenge it was it was <laughs> it was definitely a challenge especially hmm. those like you never one done thing it. i do um one thing I do when I watch dubs, especially when I'm reviewing things, is I'll uh, turn on the subtitle track to see how much they, they variate um, in the dialogue. And, you know, obviously with any series, you're going to see variance in the dialogue so that um, what's yeah. spoken in English has like a natural flow to it. So um, how much uh, divergence is there between your subtitle script and the dub script? Okay. Uh, not much, really. I hope not, anyway. Not anymore. Not anymore, because when uh, uh, Christine took over as the uh, localizer, um, when she writes the script, that is our subtitle script. Mm -hmm. That's going to be held no matter what. And then we take the subtitle script, and that becomes my actor script, and we only make changes when either doesn't um, you know, fit the lip flaps or it wouldn't make sense to hear it say in an English voice. Yeah. Like there might be a joke or something that doesn't make sense if you heard it in English, but if you read it, you might laugh. So we'll, you know, we switch mm -hmm. things around like that. Well, there's sometimes when it's like a Japanese joke and like it's not really fitting in America, like mm -hmm. like nobody would understand it. It's kind of like how yeah. we would make a joke about something in America and the Japanese would be like, what? Yeah, and if it's really <laughs> off like that, what? we don't even put it in the subtitle track because then it wouldn't make sense either way. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are you saying? Every joke from America is fun. Funny to everyone in the everyone else in the world. <laughs> We're America. Um, I, I have a quick question for uh, Yuki. Is there any times that when you're when you're doing this, and I, I'm I'm the type of person when I've done like speaking, public speaking, or whatever, I've, I I kind of improvise and all that. Do you, is there ever a point when you have to when you're reading some of this stuff and everybody else is in agreement that this sounds cool, but you're like this just sounds stupid for me to say? Do you ever have to? You ever? Are there times that you've had to like fight to say, look, guys, I know you think this sounds cool, but I'm the one saying this, and I've done like 50 takes of this, and it sounds. It would sound so much better if we just changed the, the, you know, the structure or just take out a word or add a word. So, you, so you're asking her, has she pulled a Harrison Ford? Yeah. <laughs> Get out of my brain, soul bro. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, I, I think it's fair. And I mean, no, it's a, it, I think that's an awesome question. <laughs> Um, there's been, there's been some times where, you know, where, where Jimmy's like, hey, this is a line. And I'm like, this, this is just, it's so awkward yeah. to say. And then, like, you, you try to get it and you're trying not to get, like, you know, the, the mic mess ups or, like, the word slurring or, you know, too much of this, too much of that. And then it like, gets to a point where you get so aggravated with it. It's like, can we just, can we just, like, say it like this and it'd be a little bit easier? So there's times when I, like, I can get it and sometimes I can't, so. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes they don't cooperate at all, so I just say, you know what, say what you want. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, 
but especially it, during the battles oh my goodness yeah <laughs> i could imagine <laughs> yeah we yeah we get in conflict sometimes um oh my gosh um yeah because yeah, well, uh, uh, sometimes that stuff is good though i mean i'm sure yeah once you once everybody you know at the once the smoke clears and you listen to it at the end it's like oh you were right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, it's done that way like sometimes it happens where they listen to it after i make them do it and it's like oh that sounds okay and then sometimes i'm like yeah. Oh, you were right. <laughs> yeah, yeah there was times. It's like sometimes, like when I when I can't get it, and then I actually get it. And it's like, oh, it's good. And then like you listen to it after you've like heard it so many times, then you like listen to it. And you're like, oh. But also, yeah. it's something I do encourage as well with my actors because when we record a line, even if I think it's good, I will ask them. Yeah. I'll be like, okay, you did that line. Did you like how you did it, or do you want to do it? And if they tell me no, then I'll save the version they just did, and I'll let them redo it again because I want them to walk out of here and be happy with the job they did. I don't want them going home and second guessing themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's rarely that I ever do that. Like whenever I get done, like I never, never like, oh, I could have done that line better, and that's really good. That's one thing I like how like Jimmy you know, does this stuff is that he lets us feel satisfied about our work, and like that that makes me feel like a better voice actor. And then that always also shows in like you know the DVDs and stuff. Like whenever I watch the first episode, it's like wow, and then after that, it's like oh wow. So like it really helps when he does that because it not only like gives us that like encouragement to like do it better the next time, but it also gives us that experience to do better every time. So right. it's really good to have that leniency, I guess. Please suck up more to me. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, I'm curious. Um, do you have any um, conflicts with the dialogue or the fact that you're dubbing in 2011 a show from 1991, for example? <laughs> uh, when Viz re-released uh, Mason Ikoku, the manga, uh, in the unflipped format, one thing that irked a lot of people was that um, they'd, like, updated some of the dialogue. So they were talking about DVD players in this manga from the early 80s, <laughs> even though the object they're talking about is very clearly a VCR. So does that pop up <laughs> as sort of, like, generational gap between from when the show was made, because it's very clearly an early 90s show, and, you know, our modern time? Um, I don't know if that's actually come up i haven't had any experiences with like technology yeah um but also again one of the selling points we made is we were going to keep it original so Mm -hmm. when it was released in you know 1991 i said you know what that's how it's going to be when i make it so Mm -hmm. i'm like when we dub this i'm going to keep it just like it was i do my best trying trying not to change anything even update it because if people get this show they're gonna they know when it was released they know hopefully the time that it came out so they expect to to, to hear these things and stuff, you know, and things like that. So I try to keep it actually to date. Like it was, it's actually 1991 when I'm recording this now. Even that's the way I, I view it when we do it. <laughs> right. A better example probably would have been um, Jenny Ann's dubbing of Lupin the Third because obviously that's the show from the <laughs> '70s. But you know, they they did a lot of changes to the English script and it worked yeah. pretty well. But you know, you could see that they're talking about modern stuff in this show that's like dinosaur old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, we. But I did. But there were some change because actually the show what, at one time almost did make it an American release uh, when it was when it was originally brought over to the company I got it from, and they did a demo of the show when they were trying to show. And that's one thing I showed my actors when I got them all is I said this is how they thought about doing it because the company was kind enough to give me the demo mm-hmm. and and show everyone what they thought about doing. And it was it was a typical kind of '90s dub. Ooh. if you if you remember the '90s dub, I mean it was like it was a dub that you're like you know in the '90s this would have worked. But now, no. Oh. <laughs> and, and I was, and, and but I, I, I show it to my actors because some of them think they do do um, 
when they do their characters and stuff. And I show, showed them the demo. And That's the first day. Yeah, the very first day I brought them in here. I showed everyone the demo. And I'm like, you know, I don't want you doing this. <laughs> this is 90s dubbing. I don't want this. I go, it worked then, but it may not work now. So we're going to do it a different way. Don't lie. You did it just to get everybody to laugh at these people. Okay. <laughs> well, I didn't get them. You, were, you, either, were, like, but... you were like, look, <laughs> we got this. We're not going to be this. Come on. <laughs> yeah. But again, it was a demo where they had, you know, yeah. just a few actors in to, to do the demo. You know, it wasn't diverse or anything because it was just it was a it was like a pitch demo. Yeah. <laughs> when they were pitching to put it on like Someone... it was it, it's something that you would see on Saturday morning cartoons in the 90s, the way it was done. Mm hmm. Ooh. Yeah, and I said, mm, I don't want to do that. I want to keep the show original as it is because in, in my shows, am I allowed to cuss on this or I have to keep it clean? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> okay, all right. In my in my show, if uh, if my if Jen if Jen says shit in the Japanese script, I say shit. She says shit in the dub. Okay. Nice. You know, <laughs> if if any of the characters cuss in the show, I put it in there. It's no, it's so weird to hear it from Koji. Yeah, because Koji, I think, <laughs> says, you know, he goes, oh, Shimita. And I'm like, oh, huh? he just said shit in Japanese. And I look at I look at Joanne. Joanne, you're saying shit. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was so weird because Koji's, you know, he's that, he's that shy, modest character. And then he just says it. And it's like, oh, my gosh. You're like a new level of Koji. And didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when it comes to stuff like that, yeah, I keep it. I keep it original. I don't want to change anything if I don't have to. There's There's also times when, like, like, this is one of those situations where, you know, it just doesn't seem right to say that during a battle, during, like, you know. The, well, you know yeah. So I, I always make, like, if it's Jin, like, he's super mad, he's super pumped up, he kind of cusses a little bit more than he should as, like, you know, fifth grader. Yeah, uh, yeah Yuki likes to add the word hell in a lot of her well, lines. Well, he is, he is, he is pretty dirty mouth, so. <laughs> yeah. He kind of, like, um, um kind of, like, I got, like, the mindset, like, he kind of made me think, like, Inuyasha. Like, he's, like, a little miniature Inuyasha from, I don't know if you guys even know what that is. Probably do. But, oh, yeah. uh, yeah, so, like, whenever he's mad, he does the same stuff, you know, yeah. Inuyasha did. So I was like, oh, well, you know, it kind of resembles here. So I kind of, like, throw that in there every time. So it, mm -hmm. even if he's a fifth grader, but he still has that attitude. So it kind of, it's a lot of fun. What's, <laughs> what, what, what chances are when, if, if you're in a giant robot and you're, <laughs> and you're getting the hell beat out of you by your enemy... <laughs> You might drop a few S bombs or stuff. Yeah. It's happened. It's not. Yeah. Like... So, so you got the character character reference for Jin from Inuyasha? Yeah, I did. You never told me that. Really? Oh. No. Ta-da! Okay. <laughs> Thank you, whoever owns Inuyasha. Yes. yes. Sunrise. You oh, oh, sunrise. <laughs> All right, thank you. Thanks, uh, <laughs> hey, it's a, it's a pretty good. I like the show. I like Inuyasha. I'll be. I won't yeah, be afraid I to love, say that. I like Inuyasha too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's how I always like try to. So like... Jimmy, um, yes. that 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 dub demo from the '90s, uh, that sort of stuff is pretty rare to see. So is that something we might see on a future volume as a bonus feature? Oh, wow. oh yeah. I've never thought of that. Wow. No, I never never thought of that because I was told I was allowed. So, so was... check to Chris Guanche. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Like, it's kind of funny because we're. Actually, kind of trying to figure out what to do for the uh, the extras for Volume Three because we got the blooper track and and they gave me some extra like uh, videos that and I kind of don't want to use them because they're kind of the music videos like that was in Volume Two. Oh, and they're they're and I'm like eh, I kind of don't want to. And we've also played around with the idea of doing a commentary track. Oh, cool. On I don't know who would do it though, and I don't know if they're going to do it as themselves, so they might do it as the characters. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. You should yeah. you should use the. Uh... The pre uh, the pre edited uh, translations. Just do a joke track on that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's something to think about. No, no, I'm gonna have to say. Um, yes, you know, yes. Yeah. My my last name is spelled Dupre. D U P R E Y. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. Put in the credits. Uh, it's, yeah. It's Super French Canadian. Chris Dupre. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> Got something to think about, actually. I have to, yeah. I have to submit that. That maybe I can, um, maybe I can use that track. Who knows? I, I, I was as as a joke thing. Yeah. Or, yeah. And Chris's ones. That's perfect. That'd be a great one to do. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, well, ma'am. Well, thanks for bringing it up. I guess. Uh, <laughs> I guess this week I gotta make a phone call see if I can use it. That'd be, that'd be sweet. So if you get the DVD well, and you there. find it on there, you can just uh, next time you get on, you'd be like, "Hey, I'm the reason that's on there, people." <laughs> you can take credit, Chris. <laughs> I can point to this and look. That DVD extra is there because of me. I'm important and special. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll see what happens. So speaking of extras. Um, as I mentioned in my review, I was pretty surprised on the first song that you had the actual music video and oh, that it yeah. was not in like VHS quality. And it was just a hilarious watch because, you know, I've heard this um, sort of phrase many times that uh, Japanese fashion is usually like five years behind the U.S. And <laughs> yeah. boy, yeah. that video yeah. ever yeah. an example of that. Yeah, yeah. That, that was yeah. pretty. That was that was that was. That's a good song. Like she, she's very beautiful. But then, like the clothes, I'm like, wow. Yeah, it, it shows that transitions from 80s to 90s. Oh, it's yeah. like right in the middle. And uh, yeah, they gave they gave that to me, and I, I watched it, and I go, oh, bright. this has to go on that DVD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bright. Let me guess. Bright colors and geometric shapes. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. Her, yes. Her outfit. Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh dude, big big hair, big uber colorful outfits. I mean, yeah, so. it's it's a fun catchy yeah. song. Yeah, but really bright lipstick. Really I mean, bright lipstick. it's yeah. just so cheesy. Yeah, she's doing the yeah, and she's driving in a jeep while the song's going. You know, it's just yep. a typical nineties video. Walking and swinging her arms around. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, it was it was great. And man, it it really stinks. I can't think of her name right now. Yeah. Oh. Um. That was she also played uh Pris in Bubblegum Crisis. I remember. Oh, Yokohama. Um. Yoko she's, Ono. No, she's a she, she, she married John oh. Lennon. Uh, I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's uh, Yuko Omori. Is that it? I, I don't know. That I'm, might I'm be too far away to reach my DVD case. Sounds familiar. I have no clue. And where is my casting? <laughs> where is my credit list when I need it? <laughs> hey, let, let, let yeah, you should know. It's your show. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, are we showing the? Are we showing now the unprepared side of you? <laughs> nice. Oh. Do you really know what's going on here? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I have I have everything, you know, because when it comes to, like the Japanese cast and crew and stuff like that, that that actually took a lot of research because um in the scripts when they gave us, they it didn't have a full uh, cast or crew list. Oh, really? They added a cast and crew member as of each episode went. Ooh. Oh, yeah, nice. and it's like I had to do research. Like um, I had to look everything up. I had to uh, call people to find out because I because when I called Sunrise, they're like, "No, you have everything," <laughs> and I'm kind of like, "Oh." And I ended up getting a hold of you know old art books and stuff that had like all the cast members in there and all the roles they yeah. did. And I I translated those and I found out who did the song and and then I looked up her background and stuff like that. So yeah, originally I had no clue who the entire cast was, and then I'm like, oh. Wow. Wow, and then I found out who played Jen, and I'm just like, oh wow, you know. And then yeah, she really inspired me. Like yeah, uh, Rika Matsumoto. Yeah, she um when I when Jimmy told me actually who she like this was like her big debut thing, and then she like he told me like oh yeah she did this too like was she like the first Ash in Pokemon? Yeah, she is Ash. Yeah, she plays wow. Ash in Pokemon. So then after yeah. that, it's like well, if she can do that, then I started like trying to do my Ash voice, and nice. then I actually did a skit with my Ash voice, and that was the one that Jimmy <laughs> helped me with, and it was actually really funny. It was a really yeah. really cute thing. So, so it was. A big surprise when we found out who was in this show and it was yeah. kind of almost a starting picture um picture for all those kind of actors and i'm i'm reading like all the actors that were in there and now they're considered you know big names in the voice acting industry it's in very Japan. inspiring yeah it's kind of like yeah. wow if this was their starting one it's like all right well i can do this too so it kind of keeps me going get so. out 
that is too cool. They had to do yeah. a little anime forensics in there. <laughs> Figure out what, what where, and uh, who did what. That leads me to, I, I, I've been wondering. Anime CSI. Question. Exactly. <laughs> I've been wanting to ask this question for a while. Um, and you guys brought up pretty much half of what I was going to ask. Are there any uh, say you or uh, pretty much any voice actor or voice director English or American or Japanese that you guys admire just over the the course uh, of your your. Like, your... You want to go first, Yuki? Or... Mine's really not. A, I don't know if he really has done any anime, but um, I really really love Robin Williams. Like ever since I watched like the Disney stuff, he's kind of my inspiration to be a voice actor. So like wow. that's kind of like why I'm like the hyper outgoing person right. because I want to make sure that like I can be just like that, be crazy behind set. So it's getting there. But he's definitely <laughs> somebody that I look up to a lot. And if he if he passes imagine. away, I'm gonna go. I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> I, I can see that because, you know, you watch Aladdin and, you know, he, yeah. he just steals every damn scene that he's in. He does. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I do remember, um, was it you told me, somebody told me that the uh, the person that did Aladdin, I cannot remember, but whenever him and, like, Robin were together, he had to, like, step out of the room because Robin Williams was just, just too crazy in there and he just couldn't take it. So, like, yeah, that's like, kind of what I want to try to do is just be so outrageous uh, in the yeah. studio that people just, like, cannot hold it in. So And she does it every time. <laughs> It's wait, so wait, much you, fun. Well, it's, it sounds like you've already started running into chairs and stuff. And, <laughs> and uh, hitting microphones. Oh, I love, yeah, hit, I love yeah, hitting yeah, myself. Yeah, <laughs> you act, you actors have hit the microphones when they're recording. Oh, that, yeah. That's in the blooper tracks. <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's like, Ow, I hit the microphone. Yeah, it's like think... she, she gets home and she's got to put ice on her, you know, <laughs> on her legs and her arms and stuff because she's beating herself up. <laughs> Sacrificing for the craft. Exactly. Yeah, see? I, I got to make these sacrifices to make that DVD just amazing. See? It's not like that. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm pretty much um, exhausted out of questions. So, uh, Neo and Solbro, do you have any additional questions for our guests? Well, if anything, uh, Jimmy, you, you were, you were um, could you uh, name off any uh, directors or uh, voice actors that you have always been inspired by or enjoyed their work? Oh, oh wow. Um <laughs> Uh, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going old. I'm going old school a little bit on this. Uh, the guys I look up to. Well, the number one man has got to be Scott McNeil. There you go, Scott McNeil. Because honestly, uh, before I even considered doing voice acting, when I was just thinking about it, I met him. He took me aside. He told me the deal. He he set me down. And the guy's like my mentor now. I mean, wow. when I when something goes on, I'm I'm at Scott. Scott, this is what I'm doing. And when I finally got to see him, um, I think last year, I finally bumped into him again after five years, and I told him what I'm doing now, and he was just so blown away. And I always give him credit that if it wasn't for him, I would not be where I'm at today. He's a really cool with guy. With Scott McNeil. And then other guys I look up to as far as voice actors and directors, uh, I'm going old school now. Uh, Peter Cullen. Thank Frank you. Frank Welker. Nice. Uh, yes. Neil Ross. You know, um, you know, uh, Michael see, Bell. Oh yeah, Michael Bell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Got to get that in there. Uh, some other guys that uh, I know. Uh, as far as the, the girls, uh, Barbara Goodson, BG mm-hmm. BJ Ward, uh, Wendy Lee. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. all all the good ones. And um, and as far as producers and directors, um, I'm gonna have to say right now. Oh, besides uh, my friends that are also actors and also directors, Stephen Foster uh, from originally from ADV. Is definitely mm-hmm. one of the guys I look up to because he was actually the guy that gave me my first voice gig. Oh, nice! Was Stephen Foster, and um, he got me started actually in my first anime anime role. And um, was that anytime, in a, was that in Saint Seiya? Uh, actually, my first read was in Sayuki. Oh, get out! That's cool. Yeah. Really? I don't know. If, I don't. I don't. I don't know if they used it or not because I was doing some extras for that. They might have mm-hmm. used it. They might not. But the first time he put me in recording booth and he brought me down there um, was for uh, Sayuki uh, for some of the latter episodes. And then after that. Um, uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Kyle Jones, I think, uh, did uh, Saint Seiya. Mm-hmm. 
And Steve, though, had given my name, though, to Kyle. Oh. And Kyle called me up, and I went down, and I did St. Seiya after that. Well, what did you do in St. Seiya? I'm a, I'm a huge St. Seiya fan. Okay, uh, well, I start out in episode three, where um, I think uh, is it Yoga that comes in, the ice guy, ice yeah. thing, I think. Okay, the very first episode where Seiya's walking, there's like this motorcycle dude that comes up, don't give him a ride. Mm-hmm. I'm the motorcycle dude. There you oh. go. Why did you give him a ride? <laughs> Oh, because everybody in that show is an asshole. I know. Yeah, I've yeah. seen it. I, yeah, and uh, it's kind of funny because I kind of had to improv that because uh, the because the, I didn't think the script worked and and the lines I came up with uh, we didn't use because they made fun of the the saints. Because <laughs> uh, I think the line that he says is something like you know you know maybe next time loser and I think the line I came up with was something like ah eh, you're not my type. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, or something like that. I, it was a long time ago. That <laughs> was a long time ago. But yeah, those are those are some of the people. I have probably more I could name, but I don't want to get too long-winded on that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, yeah. Oh, hey, do uh, us have any more questions? No. Yes. Uh, you pretty much. You've already. You pretty much asked all the questions I was going to. I, uh, I'm, the, I'm amazed I had a few left over. <laughs> oh wow! Wow, we actually might have done our job today, Yuki. Oh, you wow. You guys did an outstanding job. <laughs> yes, praise. Finally, it's come to us. Well, of course, you can find uh, more information about uh, Raijino and Anime Midstream at their website, www.animemidstream.com. Uh, what are some other sites that uh, you can purchase the show at? Uh, besides uh, buying it from us straight, um, you can go to uh, writestuff.com. Uh, and I also believe it's on uh, Amazon.com as well. Yeah, I think it is. Yep. Um, I think that's that's pretty much pretty much it uh, as far as where it's available. I'm, I'm All right, guessing. Well, uh, please please let us know when uh, Volume Three is out because can't wait <laughs> to see what sort of uh, crazy ass monster will show up this time. I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Chris, I know you're gonna be looking for your extra, right? <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> that too. Hey, we have proof of this, and, well, and, the, and recordings are admissible in court. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to get it working. I'll try. <laughs> well, uh, I want to thank you both uh, for taking the time to talk to us today. It's been a pleasure speaking with uh, both of you, and uh, definitely want to see uh, future things to come from your company. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. We appreciate it. We do. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that wraps up this segment. We'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Don't talk down to me like I'm a kid. I totally dig being on my own. Plus, I can eat all the pizza I want. Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that? Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal. That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a damn about your personal life. Start talking. Greetings. I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. Hi, I'm Mitsugi. And I'm Hatake. And we're the hosts of Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast, aaapodcast.com. Listen up, anime fans. Do you find yourself spending tons of money on anime DVDs and merchandise? Wishing you drove a Gundam to work instead of your car? 
singing J-pop music in the shower. If you do any of these things, you might be an anime addict. At the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, we have one mission to turn your anime addiction into an obsession. We entertain our listeners with current anime news, celebrity guest hosts, hilarious discussion topics, and fair, unbiased review on current and past anime. Here are a few testimonials. I used to be a total anime noob. Now I know so much about anime that I can say, Spike was caught riding on a Tachkoma eating Pocky wearing a Hidden Leaf Village headband while looking at a foldout of Revy in a Death Note, and know exactly what that means. Now that I listen to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, I never have to watch a bad anime again. They watch them, so I don't. So visit us at aaapodcast.com and submit anime review requests on our forum and tune in on iTunes so you can always have the latest in news and reviews. So get obsessed with Anime Addicts at the AAA. And remember, we're here for you. Open. God damn it! Open! Prime, you said the Matrix would light our darkest hour. Magnus! I want the Matrix! Never! Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. And uh, this is, um, of course, was episode 73. And um, in this episode, we not only finally resumed our coverage of the Ghost in the Shell roundup with uh, talking about uh, Ghost in the Shell, uh, Standalone Complex, Second Gig, but we also spoke to the fine folks at Anime Midstream, that's right, Jimmy and Yuki. Make sure to check out their website for the uh, anime that they are currently producing, uh, Raijino. Just head on over to AnimeMidstream.com to find out more info and support them every way you can. Before we uh, close this episode out, any uh, last, any uh, any news on the on the forefront, Neo? Any closing news? No, just always uh, support uh, the sponsors. If you support them, they support us. So that's about it. And once again. Um Due to some unforeseen circumstances, Chris is not here, but he's uh, just remember uh, that there's going to be more information about the Megacon meetup that will be posted on MHQ. And if you have any questions or anything, just feel free to email either one of us and uh, we can definitely provide you with that information. So Certainly. But it, it will be up on the website. So. so come and join us. It'll be a blast. And um, before we close things out, always check out these websites. MAHQ.net, of course, the Mecha and Anime Headquarters. Gundam.net for uh, episode info, liner notes, and links to our social networking sites. Um, you can find us on iTunes. And, of course, um, reach us by email by sending us messages to GundamMAHQ at gmail.com. And that's all, folks. We'll see you guys next time on Gundam. At MAHQ. The real Zabier has been missing since the Grip War. She's her double, that's interesting. Oh, so everything's wrapped up then? You freaks! Do you know how many people you condemn to death? Stop it, you doubt! Calm down! No matter what you say, they just won't understand. So what? The dead deserve justice! <laughs> right, Captain? What about the dead, huh? The dead! You're upset. And you have every right to be. Take it out on me if you have to. Do what?
time at MHQ's Shinjuku Station in MHQ Production. But anyway, talking of emails and that, right? Uh, Nick, who's emailed from Australia, right, Melbourne, he's uh, he's he's been going on about dolphins and that problems with dolphins. What problems? Um, he's just saying when when that that wind happened, <laughs> um, it was like a bad wind thing going on. Hold on, wait a minute. What what bad wind? Um, in in America, they had that Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. Right. And there was like a little bay with dolphins in it and right. like with all guns on them and stuff. What? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Because they use dolphins, don't they? They say they're intelligent animal and stuff. Yeah. Um, and they've got them all like, you know, they've all had the training, they're all like ready for, for battle and stuff. Right. Got like rifles on them. What do you mean rifles? They've got, how can they've they got hold weapons, the rifle? How can they, they got, hold a rifle? No, it's sort of on a strap and that. It's, what do you I mean it's on a strap? I don't know what they kit them out with, but they're just ready for war. <laughs> what are you off. talking about? Listen, though, that isn't the point. Don't worry about it. Oh, we leave but that one, do we? Is, That's not the point, so let's leave it. So they're swimming about. Yeah, with, with rifles and berets. Whatever they've got on. Yeah. Like, ready for, for battle and stuff. Yeah, ready for uh, battle, yeah. The wind comes in. The wind comes in. Makes a wave and that. They get out of the little bay. Yeah. Still all kitted out. With all the, you know, weapons. You're talking bollocks. Steve, do you want to look at the. Well, there, there's no way. There's loads of dolphins now swimming round, kitted out with problems. guns and that, with a strap. How, how can a dolphin hold a. Whoa. Again, well, you've been watching Planet of the Apes. Oh, he's trying to talk to us. What's he saying? He's saying, go ahead, punks, make my day. Look, You're just, talking shit. It's just news to say if, if there's dolphins, you know, if you see a dolphin in that, don't go, oh, it's friendly. Because there's some with weapons now. <laughs> So, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just reading it out on email, that's, that, that'll cover it and that, so. Bollocks. 